When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Thunderbirds are go. Welcome into the show. My name is Daniel McCarty. Grant Elliott. Come on, pay attention, people. He's in Pakistan. We will hear from the great man later this hour. We'll head to uh, Pakistan. Catch up with Grant Elliott, uh, who, by the sounds, is lucky to be alive. Uh, due to some public transport um, issues, shall I describe? I'll let him explain later on the show. We've got a great show for you. Well, we certainly do think so. Grant Elliott uh, will join me, Daniel McCarty, uh, a little bit later this hour. Only the best appear on the Saturday session with rum and Q, watering rub sauces and seasonings. We've got a spicy one for Ben Francis especially. He's a big fan of one Lance O'Hire. Who's not? Mr. Fix-It, if, if there's a problem with your team, you can chuck Lance O'Hire basically anywhere on your side. Former Warriors, great, no doubt about that. 185 games in the NRL for the Warriors. A World Cup winner, and of course, starting at fullback in the 2008 World Cup final against Australia. Uh, we're going to catch up with him. These days, he's in the United States. We'll find out how he landed there, what's he doing there, but also get his thoughts on what he's seen from the Warriors in 2023. Also, the news of uh, Roger Tuivasa-Sheck. And if you are to uh, go to a former Warriors player who knows how to beat the Melbourne Storm, uh, you go to Lance O'Hire, who has a winning record. Um, against the Melbourne Storm. How many Warriors players can say that? Any of a significant sample size. He certainly did. He played them 20 times. He won more games than he lost. Alonso High is going to join us after 11 o'clock in an extended chat. Can't wait to bring you that. Uh, big news during the week. Uh, it's not concrete news. It's early stages, of course, that the uh, Commonwealth Games, where well, the New Zealand Olympic Committee have put their hand up and said, hey, think about us. We might be interested in hosting in 2030. Four, so it's a long way away, a lot of water to go under the bridge. But it did get us thinking about the last time we hosted a Commonwealth Games, 1990. Not even sure Ben Francis was a twinkle in people's eyes at that stage. Uh, I remember it fondly. I I'm sure uh, those who are longer in the tooth, like I am, uh, will remember it fondly. We're going to catch up with a very successful New Zealand athlete who had success at the Commonwealth Games and find out what it was like to perform and succeed in front of your own fans. We are so excited to bring you this chat. He doesn't do a lot of interviews. Um, and if you're going to start at the top of successful athletes of the 1990 Commonwealth Games, you go straight to Gary Anderson. He won three gold medals in cycling. One, two, three. Four-time Olympian, Olympic medalist, a storied career, but we'll drill down deep into uh, the 1990 campaign. We can't wait to bring you that about quarter past 12, uh, Gary Anderson, uh, to talk some cycling with us after uh, midday. Uh, right now, though, right now... 
now that you know the lay of the land of what's coming up, let's give you the very latest in uh, sports headlines. At three and a half minutes after 10 o'clock, and the Crusaders survived a rather large scare in Super Rugby Pacific to beat the Melbourne Rebels by 43 points to 27 on Friday night. That score is somewhat deceiving. Hold tight, I'll explain. The six-time defending champs struggled to capitalise on their territorial advantage during the opening 40 minutes, scoring two tries from 14 visits into the red zone, but were more clinical as the contest wore on, and their rivals uh, also wore out, you could argue. Melbourne was still ahead, though, with 10 minutes remaining. Late call-up, Yuani Mononanu uh, stormed over near the post to reclaim the lead for the Crusaders, and they kicked on to win 43-27. The Chiefs also extended their unbeaten run. They're now eight from eight after a big win in tricky conditions against the Fijian Drua at home by 50 points to 17. Ouchie, as we move on. The Wellington Phoenix have pulled out every handgun and continue to shoot themselves in the foot, and now are in serious danger of missing the A-League men's finals after a 4-0 loss to Western Sydney last night. Uh, they have now gone five games without a win, their worst run of results since the very beginning of Coach Ufoktale's four-year tenure. The Phoenix now must beat MacArthur in their final match to ensure a spot in the six. Meantime, Premier League leaders <coughs> Arsenal <coughs> scored two late goals in a drama-filled game. Yeah, two late goals. Incredible drama. We'll get to it a little bit later. Uh, having fought back to claim a three-all draw against the mighty Southampton. Checks notes, Southampton at the bottom of the league. Uh, two more drop points for Arsenal. It's the third game in a row they have drawn as the Gunners continue to stumble in their pursuit of a title. They are five points clear of Man City, but don't read too much into that. The two sides, of course, meet early next week. And I'm pretty sure Manchester City have one or two games in hand. Uh, it's all over, I would argue. Man City do indeed uh, have two games in hand. Uh, they meet New Zealand time on Thursday morning. There you have it, the very latest in sports headlines. It's five minutes after ten. Counter, good morning, Mr. Ben Francis. Good to see you, mate. Are you in better form than Arsenal fans? Grant, is that you? I, I, I got a bit confused because of what was going on on Twitter. <laughs> yeah, I had a bit of fun yesterday. Thanks to Elon Musk. I decided to become Grant Elliott for the day <laughs> on social media. I just wanted to know what it was a, a li- a like to be the great man. So I changed my um, name, Grant Elliott, to Grant Elliott. And I, I think I also changed my profile to New Zealand's number one Superman impersonator and Wellington's number two ranked broadcaster, which I think's fair, isn't it? Oh, it was it was it was hilarious. I was I was I was very confused. So that's why when I saw you there, I was like, "Is that Grant? Is that Daniel?" I had no idea. Now today I'm Daniel, but I might still be Grant later on oh, social okay. media at Snake McCarty if you're interested. It's a massive, a huge following, huge following because I'm always on it, right, Ben? I'm on it twenty four seven, throwing you're, light and shade. Yeah, you're like one of those people I'm, that I'm never likes everything. Yeah, exactly. I'm all over it. I'm all over it. Yes, I'm Daniel McCarty. Sometimes I moonlight as Grant Elliott. Grant to join us in about half an hour's time. Good week, my friend. Great week, buddy. Another win for the Warriors. And guess what, bud? Guess what, mate? RTS is coming home. The New Zealand's number one, one New Zealand Warriors fan, Ben Francis. I want one word, one word from you to sum up your state of mind. One word. Jesus. Okay. Uh, Do you want some time to ponder it? We've got Chris who's calling through. I will need some time. Yeah, yeah, you reserve judgment on that one. I want it to be immaculate. I want it to, to. I want you to be completely comfortable with it. 
you can join the show on 0800-150-811. You can text us on double eight double three. Of course, everyone who calls uh, goes into the draw for our Mowers Club Hour prizes. Yes, the Mowers Lawn Force Club is on. We've got wonderful signage in our studio here. Um, I'm doing the hosing. Grant Elliott's pushing uh, the lawnmower. Uh, we've got a ma- we live in a very big house, it seems, with a great lawn. Uh, great signage, thank you, SCNZ. Magnificent stuff. The Tui Lawn Force Mowers Club uh, throughout this hour. Uh, why do we do this? Well, we want to give away some magnificent products uh, that uh, the team at Tui Lawn Force have at their disposal. Uh, it's all based on our little notion of, um, you know, we-, we get out, we do jobs around the house, around the, around the suburbs, all to get brownie points, to watch sport, right? Uh, we get wonderful responses each and every week about what you're doing today. So those who are out um, doing great work on the Saturday Session Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force, we want to know what you're doing today, how you're doing it, how it's going, and what you're going to blow those brownie points on as far as uh, sport watching is concerned this week in Ben Francis? Well, I can guarantee you, Daniel, that anybody that lives in the wider Auckland area will not be in their garden today. It is absolutely bucket, bucketing down with rain. It is horrendous conditions. And if you are out there mowing your lawns, I think you're a madman. Okay. I was out, I was out not on the lawn during the week. I was out on the road this week with a rake. Uh, I live on a street... Um, sort of slopes on either side, the apex, I think that's what you call it at the bottom, uh, that's where the, the drains have been laid, and we had heaps of rain in Wellington. The problem is they get, they get, they get full up, and we had huge flooding right across the road as the buses were ploughing through and splashing everyone, so I went out in my wet weathers, good Samaritan mate, got the rake, cleaned out all the leaves, all the branches, all the plastic bottles, and mate, I, and this little mini lake that had, had developed on the road just... <laughs> Straight down. Mate, what a community so, man you are. I am. So no, no wonder, I, no wonder hope, people mistaken you for Grant Elliott. Exactly. <laughs> hope my wife's listening. That has given me unlimited brownie points this weekend. I haven't spoken to her about this, but in my mind, I've got unlimited brownie points. Um, what say you? What are you doing out there today? What have you done during the week? The Saturday Session Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Visit new Lawn Force uh, website hub for expert lawn uh, advice. Um, and what are you watching this weekend with those brownie points? Uh, maybe you burnt them under the Friday night lights. I'm going to get to those um, and some of the key observations from last night's sport after this very break. Our number is 0800 150 You can also text us on double eight double three. You are with the Saturday Session with Rum and Q. Great to have them on board, award-winning rub sources and seasonings. I can't wait to get stuck into the little box they sent me to. The problem is, is anything going to be left before Grant gets back from Pakistan? Uh, stay tuned. We'll find out over the next few weeks. Ten minutes after ten. Quarter past ten. This is the Saturday session. Our number is 0800 You can text us on double eight double three. Uh, between ten and eleven, it is the uh, Saturday session mowers club. The Saturday session mowers club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Uh, we'd like to know if you're out uh, earning those uh, hard-earned brownie points. What are you doing today? Uh, last week we had someone stepping on a wasp's nest. Uh, we also had someone using a digger for the first time actually hit his house. Uh, I, I, hopefully there's not as much calamity going on this week. Uh, let us know what you are doing on those. All callers going into the draw to win uh, one of our prize packs too. So so get amongst it. I uh, do appreciate your contribution. I asked Ben Francis a question in our first uh, segment. One word I wanted from him to sum up his feelings. He, of course, is New Zealand's number one, one New Zealand Warriors fan. So it had to be one, right? It has to be one. 
one word to describe your feelings, your emotions, your thoughts after the news uh, late Thursday night at uh, Roger Tuivasa Sheik returning to the NRL, saying bye-bye rugby at the end of 2023 and coming back to your Warriors. I, I, the, the one choosing the one word is difficult, but the the way I can sum it up is that we, remember when he left the Warriors, it was because part of it was to go be about family and being closer. That's why he got the early release to come back to the Blues. So I had the feeling that when his contract was up, he wouldn't go pursue an opportunity with the Dolphins. He wouldn't go overseas to Japan to play rugby. He was either going to stick on at playing rugby with the Blues or he was going to come back to the Warriors. I never saw any other option. So we, while then when the announcement came out, I was like, oh, my God. At the end of the day, I was more like, I'm not overly surprised. So I'm trying okay. to what, – what like, I don't want to say not, not surprised is two words. So another word for not surprised, I guess, is where I would go with this. Have you got a word for that? No. <laughs> right. So you don't have a word. I got not surprised, but that's two words. So you were unruffled. That's correct. Okay. So you're unruffled. Yeah. But happy? Oh, yeah, I'm happy. But my when it first came out, my first question was, how's that backline going to look? Whether would Center. They- yeah, well, that's, that's what, what Kimpy told me on Bricky during the week. Well, I'm sorry, Dan. I was I I wasn't tuning in at six a.m. on Friday morning. I was trying to enjoy some sleep. What about seven or eight or nine? We finished at nine. That would be a bit of an extension of reality. I said we were on after nine o'clock. Uh, what was I doing at nine o'clock yesterday? Well, not not listening to the radio anyway. Anyway, <laughs> we're, we're getting off track. Center standoff. Well, wing. I look. I wanted when he was at the Warriors. A few years ago, I wanted him to have a go playing in the halves. What I see probably happening is I I see him going to fullback, and I would say potentially chance to centre, but it could easily go the other way around. But there's still lots of time for this to work out. Indeed, there is, uh, and lots of time for people to get in on the conversation too. If you want to carry on that, uh, do let us know. Also, let us know where you're out earning your brownie points part of the year. Uh, uh, to Elon Force. Uh, Mowers Club through to 11 o'clock. Got some great prize packs to give away. Pick up the uh, phone and give us a call. Uh, I wonder if many of you burnt some of your brownie points uh, watching all the action under the Friday night lights last evening. Uh, the Broncos extended their lead on the chasing pack in the NRL. The Bronx made it seven wins from eight, 26 points to 16 over the Eels. All pretty much thanks to a, a dominant first half where they led 22 points to six at the break. Uh, the Bronx, the mighty Bronx, the unstoppable Bronx, kicking away from the pack. Okay, only two rounds so far this round. I'm, I'm, I'm getting a little bit excited being the Broncos fan that I am. In Super Rugby, the Chiefs have made it eight straight wins um, and need six more to complete a perfect regular season. After a 50 points to 17 thumping of the Drua in tricky conditions, Chiefs can play and will take some stopping. Chiefs fan, fans, are you daring to dream? 0800 uh, Let us know your thoughts. Next up is the Crusaders for the Chiefs. Uh, who were not all that convincing of beating the Rebels, 43 points to 27. The Rebels are here with 10 minutes remaining, as we mentioned in the headlines. They are past the halfway stage on the quest for perfection. I'd love to hear from uh, Chiefs fans about how they are feeling. Well, we also saw some incredible drama in the English Premier League this morning, technically still under the Friday night lights, Friday night UK time. Arsenal, Southampton, Arsenal at the top, Southampton at the bottle, bottom, 
Uh, incredible game in the English Premier League. The Saints led after just 30 seconds after a howler from Aaron Ramsdale, uh, the Arsenal goalkeeper. Southampton then made it 2-0 when, of course, a former Arsenal player, Theo Walcott, scored after 14 minutes. Arsenal got back through Gabriel Martinelli after 20 minutes. But in the second half, Southampton regained a two-goal advantage thanks to Galeta Carr's uh, goal on 66 minutes. It seemed as if Arsenal were taking Route 66 to Choke City at that stage, uh, but found some resolve and found some incredible late drama. I think we, I think we have that as as they clawed their way back into the game and deep, deep into the contest. Looking for Walcott, great ball, Walcott! It's 2-0! Absolutely astonishing! The former Arsenal man with what could be a damaging blow to his old club. Warprice with the ball in, and a chance here! It's a goal for Chaletta Third Southampton goal. Arsenal falling apart. Good shot there. Wonderful goal from Erdogan. Good ball there by Chaucer. Nelson. Oh, Bazzini with the save. And Saka there. For Kyle Saka. Oh, the Emirates comes alive again. time whistle well that was the Premier League at its very best the drama of the title race in a pulsating match tonight and Arsenal might still be top it was a stirring comeback a decisive shift in the title race you could certainly argue Arsenal had calls for a penalty in the 100th minute uh, turned down, it was denied, was it a penalty, and then the final whistle sounded quite extraordinary. I'd love to get the uh, the pulse of Arsenal fans today. Uh, while staying on the theme of uh, football, Arsenal fans, um, 0800-150-811. Have you? Have you? Have you choked it away? Is it over? Is it all over? 0800-150-811, text double eight double three. Uh, let's get to a topic that does pain me to touch on, because clearly I'm a big fan um, the Wellington Phoenix are ramrodding their way to the finish line in the A-League, Ben Francis, but not the good sort of ramrod um, like you'd find at Robin Q, which is the hunter's choice, of course, uh, version of lamb, venison or lamb run. Beautiful, beautiful. Um, familiar earthy flavours that will elevate the ro- uh, any roast lamb. Mm, beautiful. No, the Wellington Phoenix aren't using Robin Q's wonderful ramrod. Uh, they're ramrodding their own head against a wall, aren't they? They really are. The Wellington Phoenix are in full meltdown mode, Ben Francis. Edge of the area the now, tape. Ninkovic. Touch was heavy. Layuni still there for the Wanderers. Oh. Ninkovic's feet is great. Goal. Oh, it's brilliant from Western Sydney. And who else has scored it but Brandon Borello. Wellington had the chance to get it clear. It ricocheted back into the path of Ninkovic. He squares it to Borello, and he makes no mistake. Let himself down centrally. Borello has it. Neuenhoff overlapping. Chance here for the Wanderers, and they've made What's them going? pay again. Neuenhoff turning in the area onto his left boot, and he slots it past Oli Sale. It's 2-0. 
Yeah, well, two mistakes for me That's on that occasion there. Was... Let himself down centrally. Barello has it. Newenhoff overlapping. Chance here for the Wanderers. And they've What's made them the pay again. Newenhoff turning in the area onto his left boot. And he slots it past Oli Sale. It's 2-0. Yeah, well, two mistakes for me That's on that occasion there. Was... Nice from Barella. Milanovic streaming over halfway. Slipping. Three on three there at the is. back. In behind is Yengi. Can oh. he add a fourth here? He can indeed. <laughs> it's all a little bit too easy for Western Sydney. Yeah, a bit of a meltdown for the Wellington Phoenix. Beaten last night, four goals to nil uh, by Western Sydney Wanderers, as heard on SENZ. We had full coverage of that game for you. Kept scoreless for the first time this season. Well, once again, are showing significant defensive frailties. They have not won a game since beating Sydney at Eden Park back on March 12th. In that time, they've lost 5-1 to Adelaide, 2-1 to Melbourne Victory, at home against the bottom place club, mind you, in a game they led before conceding uh, two second-half goals. They were thumped by, uh, you know, league-leading Melbourne City, four goals to one. Last weekend, it was a 2 all draw against Brisbane, another game they led before um, surrendering a late equaliser. Well, last night, 4-0 humbling at the hands of the Wanderers. So in five games, they've lost four, drawn one, collected just one point, have scored five goals, but have conceded 17. 17 goals in five games. It's kind of embarrassing, isn't it? Um, they've now shipped 45 goals this season, equal worst in the league. This run of form has now caused significant harm to their goal difference, which is now at minus seven, which and of itself is now within touching distance of the chasing pack. Love to hear from Phoenix fans this morning. Um, this is your chance to tell me, um, A, where it's gone wrong, and B, how do they correct it, and C, is this terminal? What has happened? Uh, how has this left you feeling? Um, do you consider yourself, what, potentially outsiders to make the six? As it stands, the Phoenix are now in sixth position. They've slipped back to sixth position after that result last night because Sydney FC has gone ahead of them based on goal difference, and Sydney FC were at home sitting on the couch picking their nose. Sydney FC, of course, still have a game to play. Phoenix on 32 points. Uh, the chasing pack includes the Jets, who have a game in hand, and on 29 points, Western United game in hand, also on 29 points. The other two, um, you know, biggest threats, Perth Glory, too, uh, revitalised over the last uh, few months. They're four points behind. Uh, they have two games remaining. The Wellington Phoenix have one. The Phoenix can top out at 35 points. And if they win next week in MacArthur, uh, should, could possibly be enough to make it through to the playoffs. Love to get your thoughts, Phoenix fans, on what has happened over the last uh, few weeks. Uh, one word answer of the day also is our key question based on Roger Tuovasheshek's return to the Warriors. Uh, ben Francis wanted to go with not surprised, entering the complete spirit of the one word answer game. That's what I have to deal with on a weekly basis, ladies and gentlemen. You know, he's a rule breaker. He, he's a non-conformist. Mate. He, he, doesn't want, he doesn't want to follow, uh, you know, clear, basic instructions. Mate, if that's the worst thing about me, I mustn't be a bad person. <laughs> well, I never said you're a bad person, mate. That's you taking it to, to, to dark, to dark positions. Uh, we've got Dave who's at least entered the spirit. Uh, he calls it his Sheik word, aesthetic. Aesthetic. He is. Thank you, Dave. You're on the draw to win our Tui Lawn Force products. Uh, all texts, all calls going into um, the draw to win uh, great um, gift packs. We've got two of them to give away, thanks to our wonderful team at uh, Tui Lawn Force, uh, who help uh, bring you the, uh, the Mowers Club Hour. Love to get your thoughts on what you're out there doing today as far as uh, 
you know, earning some sports brownie points. RT is coming home to the Warriors. Yes. Writes, who's this? An unnamed texter. I like that. It is a word. It's a three-letter word. It gets straight to the point. RT is coming home to the Warriors. Yes. He also had, didn't realise what a small number, a small number of uh, rugby union games he played. Uh, we didn't see the best uh, he could be. I'd still have him in the World Cup mix. Done housework. Walked dogs. Now pokies for a couple of hours before catch, catching. Home to catch flicking between TAB and Sports Channel. Writes Peter. Excellent, Peter. Thank you for joining the programme. Um, and sending in uh, uh, your work. It's always good when you've bent the brownie points by 28 minutes after 10 on a Saturday. Uh, well played, you. Keep your thoughts coming through on 0800 150 11 or Texas double eight double three. And Chris writes, Daniel, I take, uh, I take it to you. I take it you were talking about Piney as number one, Grant as number two in Wellington. Absolutely not. Piney's nowhere near number one. I'm nowhere near number one, mate. Just think about the broadcasters in Wellington. Magnificent history of producing broadcasters. Piney and I, Piney and I, Piney and I are relegation battlers. That's what we are. Uh, enough for me. Time to hear from you. Plenty of reasons for you to call. We've got uh, prize packs to give away thanks to Tui Law Enforce. Uh, all part of the Mowers Club through to 11am. Taking your calls 0800 150 811 8833. Uh, there's plenty of reason to call and get amongst it. Isn't there, Ben? It certainly is. Messages it certainly rolling is, mate. Through, yeah, to double eight, double three. It's nearly half past ten. Uh, we're going to take a short break, and on the other side, we're going to be utterly thrilled and delighted to welcome into the program three-time Commonwealth Games gold medalist from 1990, Mr. Gary Anderson, is going to drop by. A rare treat. Uh, Gary um, is a very busy man. He does great work in the community. He was going to join us after 12. He will go uh, now um, because he's got to go out and probably save lives because that's what Gary does. Uh, so he will join us in about three or four minutes as we talk competing on home shores at the Commonwealth Games. We reminisce about 1990 with, of course, the news during the week that New Zealand could potentially, after the New Zealand Olympic Committee put their hands up and said, yeah, we were interested to, to contemplate, to investigate, to check in on the likelihood of uh, hosting the 20, uh, 2034 Commonwealth Games. Three times uh, Commonwealth Games gold medalist from the 1990 Commonwealth Games. Gary Anderson drops by after this. Grant's still in Pakistan. He will join us after 12 o'clock as we talk about the uh, Black Cap series against Pakistan. And Grant, um, you know, lucky to be alive after, um, you know, a, a rather interesting bus trip. All will be revealed after 12 o'clock. Right now, though, news during the week that the New Zealand Olympic Committee has put up their hand and suggested, yes, consider us. We are keen to contemplate the prospect of hosting a Commonwealth Games here in New Zealand. Wouldn't be a city. It would be spread around New Zealand. 2034 is the target date. 1990, the last time New Zealand held a Commonwealth Games, a long time ago. Now, uh, incredible scenes up and down uh, New Zealand uh, during it. But, of course, in Auckland, Auckland was the host city back in 1990. Uh, we wanted to reminisce and, and give you an idea of what it was like for our athletes to perform in front of their home fans. And we are utterly delighted to welcome into the program uh, a man who captivated us during the 1990 Commonwealth Games. Extraordinary career he did have. Uh, his uh, place in New Zealand uh, cycling history is undeniable. The first New Zealander to win a cycling medal at the Olympic Games. He went to four Olympic Games, won a swagger Commonwealth Games medals in 1986, uh, but went even better in 1990, winning three golds and a silver, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, these days, doing wonderful things in our community, firefighter for a number of years. 
well, I hope I didn't fact check that. I hope he's still doing it. Uh, Gary Anderson is so kind enough to join us. Gary, thanks so much for dropping by on SENZ. I hope we're finding you well this Saturday morning. Yeah, hi. Uh, yeah, thanks very much for having me, Daniel. Yeah. Um, Brilliant. Brilliant of you to join us. <laughs> Yeah, thanks. It's been a long time since um, all of those events happened. Uh, and yes, I am still uh, a, an active firefighter. Yeah, I still work for Fire and Emergency New Zealand. Oh, fantastic. You, you, Any time I've read or heard, you, you always strike me as incredibly humble, sort of self-deprecating, always want to put your achievements sort of, you know, down a peg or two. But I, I just want to talk about 1990 and just what it meant to you, you your cycling teammates to the broader New Zealand side of, of the joy of competing at home. You obviously had great success, of course. What, what are your abiding memories of 1990? One of the things that stood out for me back then, and, and um, yeah, I don't think about it all that often, but um, now that it's been sort of brought up again recently, um, one of the things that really stood out was the patriotism um, of New Zealanders. Like, we have... You know, we have the big all-black tests, the big, the big cricket matches and that sort of thing. You see a big crowd, um, but you don't generally see um, the sort of, well, as much of the support sort of outside of the stadium area and maybe, yeah, it just seemed to be absolutely everywhere. It was um, all over all over the Auckland region and all, also all over the country, but the support nationwide and the um yeah the new zealand flags and things like that everywhere just it was phenomenal and equal to anything that i'd been to at that time and you know um sort of from then on really as far as commonwealth games went um was just a fantastic uh, place to be and everyone seemed to be excited about it or at least the majority of people seemed to be excited about it yeah <laughs> Well, we're never going to get 100% opinion, public opinion on any matter, are we? <laughs> get, no, absolutely Gary. Not. You know, some people win lotto and find a reason to, to be unhappy about <laughs> it. So, so it sounds like you're painting this picture of patriotism in play, but patriotism in action, which is yeah, probably not something New Zealand doesn't do. Um, uh, well, in comparison, other nations around the world certainly doesn't do. So you, you felt Kiwiana everywhere, patriotism everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, re- it really was. And, um, uh, you know, obviously we had the news with um, with the potential of the Games coming back to New Zealand um, in 10 years or so time. Um, and there's obviously some who will argue, for, and perhaps for good reason, why it shouldn't happen. Um, and I can understand that, but I certainly sit firmly in the camp of it should happen. Uh, and largely for that reason, you know, like you can't go through your entire life just with just ticking all of the boxes and just doing everything because you perhaps should or maybe it's the exact right thing to do. But, you know, it would also give a huge boost to the country, um, I feel. You know, just it would be... um, I'm sure it would create a lot of uh, financial turnover. um, And with the new sort of structures, the way they want to do it, with a regional um, sort of system where they use a lot of stadiums and that are already existing rather than going and building a whole lot of new facilities... Um, it should help to make things, you know, a, a little bit cheaper, if you like. But just the the boost for the country, I think, the feeling would be fantastic. Yeah, yeah I, I think under the new rules designed by the Commonwealth Games uh, Federation, um, without those, I, I would have put my hand up and said, "Don't touch with a you know ten foot pole." Um, financial disaster ahead if you if you're going to force it on one city to have all of these sports where you need all of these facilities. It's now just athletics and swimming are the the must have 
um, events and you can sort of, um, you know, pick and choose what you want, you know, building on the facilities you already have. You can go up and down the country. Mm. It's, it's a far more modern flavor. It's a far more prudent approach, isn't it, um, uh, Gary? We, yeah. we, we want to yeah. avoid like a financial disaster of Delhi 2010. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know all the ins and outs of, of that. To be honest, I haven't taken all of that much notice, but it does seem to be heavily, um, yeah, the talk seems to be heavily, oh, well, couldn't possibly afford it. Well, yeah, perhaps we, yeah, I think we also probably couldn't afford not to, you know. If you want um, yeah. if you want the athletes of the country in it to have things to aspire to, and I kind of where I'm, I guess where I'm going with this a little bit is that a lot of athletes um, that compete at sort of um, Olympic and Commonwealth Games sports will never ever in their entire career compete at home um, because they'll never have a home games, and that would go for an awful lot of athletes that have you know competed for our country um, over obviously decades. So um, it's it's fantastic to compete at home and. It brings with it extra pressures, I suppose. Um, it'll also give athletes that perhaps wouldn't make the team if it was a travelling overseas team. It would give some other athletes an opportunity to to um, make it into a team because no doubt we would field a, a large team. Um, and, of course, that could just be the catalyst for one of those athletes to um, just to step up a little bit more. And, um, you know, otherwise they may well be, I've missed the team, I'm not travelling overseas, that might be the end of it for me. Um, so, yeah, I think there's a lot of really really good positives um, that outweigh the negatives as to having having it or not having it. Gary Anderson is with us, as always, thinking of others. I want to talk about you now, uh, and don't deflect too much here. Uh, but getting ready for 1990, it sounded like it was really important for you, and the little research that I've done, uh, you skipped the World Championships the year before. You, you were all about peaking for Auckland. Am I right in thinking? Yeah, that's right. Um yeah, it, that's what I did do. Um, I didn't go to the 1989 World Championships, which were in France. Um, I decided to train uh, in the US and in New Zealand right through uh, and, and try and peak for 1990. I wasn't even at my best form when we had our national championships, uh, which were held in December because of the games being in January. Um, I was still wasn't really at my... 100% peak, and I'd, yeah, I'd worked really hard to be at a at a really high peak for 1990. And yeah, I'd, at that time in my life, um, that was really important. It was a huge stepping stone for me. Um, I'd been to Edinburgh in 1986 as an 18-year-old and kind of got a taste of the games and 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 how it was, and just yeah, looked forward so much to Auckland. And um, yeah, I put an awful lot of effort into into those games, and um, so did the entire New Zealand cycling team, at least, um, and I'm sure all of the other sports as well. And it was one of our most successful yeah, um, efforts ever. So not just myself, but many of the others in the team had fantastic results, and uh, it was a great atmosphere. It was a really good team to be involved in, and um, yeah, we're lifelong friends out of out of that time of my life. Three golds of silver, of course. Uh, picking up silver, I think it was the 1K time trial. You won the 4,000-meter individual pursuit, which set you up uh, to take uh, a bronze medal at the uh, Summer Olympics in Barcelona two years later. You've won the 10-mile scratch race, the 4,000-meter team pursuit. H- how vivid are the memories of, of the races themselves? Uh, yeah, I guess pretty good. Um, the yeah, the kilometer time trial was first, the 1,000-meter time trial, and I'd won bunch of silver and bronzes in Edinburgh four years earlier. Uh, that wasn't my specialist event, so it was almost like a warm-up event. And um, 
I wanted to do well, and I did think that I had an outside chance of actually winning, um, but I didn't. It got second, and yeah, it was sort of almost a little bit like crikey, another another silver medal, another yeah, I won a gold <laughs> one. So um, when the individual pursuit rounds came along, and the next couple of days, um, yeah, it was pretty focused on that, and really focused on making the final. And uh, I think if, if I'm really honest, I remember. Um, just once I made the final, I knew that I was going to win that final, you know? Um, yeah. Just, uh, yeah, somebody was going to have to come up with something really, really good to, to beat me. I was going to win that final come hell or high water. And, yeah, that's what happened. I got through, won the final. So, um, yeah, it was pretty over the moon at the time. Yeah. Are the memories quite vivid of the noise, the sounds, the smells, the, you know, the home fans? Are they still quite they burn, something like that I'd imagine could, could almost burn into your memory yeah I suppose so it's I mean it's 33 years ago now <laughs> so um, a lot's happened since then and um, yeah just yeah but it, when you think back at it look back at a few pictures um, and to be honest there's a, a couple of Aussie mates in that that I've got um, who've posted up or who, who keep, keep posting up um, things on Facebook quite regularly and Recently, a couple of the events from 1990 popped up on their Facebook page, so um, it kind of brought back a few memories there. Um, yeah, I just remember it being a big buzz and a lot of smiling faces. Um, if there was people that weren't happy about the games being in Auckland at that time, I never saw any of them. Uh, it just seemed like <laughs> pretty much everybody seemed to be happy with what was going on and really relishing um, you know, what was going on in their community and there were so many people involved as well, so many volunteers and, and helpers. and uh, Yeah, people... Uh, there's a photograph that hangs in the cycling club rooms in Whanganui. Um, and in that picture, which is of the New Zealand team's pursuit riding, obviously you've got myself and the team. You've got Ron Cheatley who was the coach. And then there was, I think, three other people from my home club here in Whanganui that were in that photograph that were at that Commonwealth Games as officials. Um, so yeah, just the the um, involvement was phenomenal. Like that wouldn't happen if if the games were held in another country. How's this, Gary? Got a text message here from Joseph, who's uh, sent it through to double eight double three. I remember nineteen ninety fondly as a six year old watching Gary on TV, and then going to see the men's road race in Auckland. A few weeks later, getting to sit down in the lounge with Gary and wear his medals was awesome. How does it make you feel that <laughs> you, what you did? has impacted a six-year-old now 33 years on. Yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty cool to hear. Um, mm. And, uh, yeah, just it's, it is, I suppose, one of the things that comes with, you know, when you do this stuff, when you're sitting out at the time, perhaps you don't really think, well, it has a, yeah. a role-on effect um, with other people. You, To be honest, as an athlete, you're usually pretty selfish. And if anyone, anyone <laughs> that knows me well from back in that era will know that I was, very self-centered, very selfish, and um, very focused. Um, and sometimes it came across as being arrogant, etc. But not, I think that was a little bit mistaken. But anyway, it's another story. Um, <laughs> yeah, just just to know that. Uh, yeah, I think I, I when I think back a long, long way to a kid at school, I guess um, I heard some of the 1974 Com Games. Um, stuff broadcast over radio, some of the 76 Olympics and so on, um, <clears throat> on TV and on radio. <clears throat> and I think some just, I don't know whether it's direct, and I don't 
sit there and think oh, it was that race or this person but I think those things did have a bearing you know that watching those events um, they had a bearing on me somewhere along the line and uh, and set a little bit of a desire to want to be able to do something similar and I sort of fell into my sport with a little bit of family history but um, without any real push and um, just found a, a great niche and then once I was there really every stepping stone in front of me led towards Com Games, Olympic Games and um, yeah, I, did, I, I chased it pretty hard. Well, thanks for creating all the memories over the years. Thanks so much for taking the time today and dropping by. I, I can really hear the excitement in your voice at the thought of the future athletes of New Zealand possibly getting the chance of competing in front of their home uh, home fans. Uh, you know, it's really palpable coming through. Gary Anderson, thanks so much again, and hopefully we can do this again down the line. Go well. Thank you very much. Great to be here. Cheers. Gary Anderson joining us on the program. Uh, true star of the uh, Auckland Commonwealth Games, winning four medals, three golds overall, won eight, goal, uh, eight Commonwealth Games medals over a very successful career, which, uh, you know, saw four Olympic campaigns. And, of course, uh, the first New Zealander to win a cycling uh, Olympic medal when he uh, took uh, bronze in the 4,000-metre individual pursuit in Barcelona in 1992. We really do appreciate his time, uh, and we hope you enjoyed, uh, you know, Reminiscing about 1990, who knows, 2034, um, we might uh, unveil some new hometown stars. It is 11 away from 11, back up. From 10 to 11 every Saturday morning, the Saturday Sessions Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. We want you to tell us your stories of what you're doing doing the brownie points to watch sport this weekend. Uh, get your individual stories through. Uh, all calls and texts uh, throughout the Mowers Club go into the draw to win some prize packs as well. Uh, your contribution can also be about, you know, sport and topics. Um, all the questions we throw you away, feel free to get amongst it. Uh, we've got our, we've got a great question of the day, though. A couple of one-word answers about how you're feeling about Roger Tuivasa-Sheik coming back to the Warriors. Ben Francis couldn't come up with one word, or couldn't be asked coming up with one word, basically. Although some people have got back to you, Ben, to give you some advice. Unsurprised or unsurprising, writes this one. You're welcome, Ben, writes Manu. Thank you very much, Manu. Uh, thank you very much, unnamed texter. Uh, this this fan's uber confident. His name is Dermot. He just writes Premiership. Oh, oh. Although Nathan writes, hate to be that guy, but my word is misplaced. Ooh. A cold shiver goes over my sh- shoulders. Uh, the Saturday session, session Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. We have a question of the day to wrap up the Saturday session Mowers Club. Uh, we're inspired by a magnificently named gentleman by the name of Daniel, who last weekend, Ben Francis found this through. This is amazing. He ran the marathon in Newcastle and ran the entire 42Ks with a lawnmower. Hey, how do you do that? How do you run a, a marathon with a lawnmower? We want to know, what's the strangest, weirdest, oddest place you have taken a lawnmower to? That is our question of the day on the Saturday session, Mowers Club, brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Visit New Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice. We'll get in touch with the winners. But the strangest place for our prize packs, that is, but the strangest place you've taken a lawnmower? Can you top taking one on a marathon? It wasn't this, Daniel. We all know I'll never run a marathon. Bang on, 11am. Happy Saturday morning, everyone. Daniel McCarty with Ben Francis riding shotgun. This is the Saturday session. Fair not Grant Elliott will feature after 12 o'clock. We uh, caught up with him earlier in Pakistan. He's following uh, the Black Caps in Pakistan, providing TV analysis, of course. The great Grant Elliott. 
um, my doppelganger will join me after uh, 12 o'clock. Uh, last hour part of the Saturday session, uh, Mowers Club brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. We threw out a question based on a guy in Newcastle in, well, that's northern Sydney, isn't it? Northern reaches of Sydney. Um, beautiful name. Daniel, his name was. He ran a marathon whilst pushing a lawnmower, Ben Francis. I forgot to give his time. He finished in four hours, four minutes and 37. He crossed the, crossed the line 198th. Uh, in the overall marathon runners, um, it's a pretty slick time, isn't it? Pushing uh, a lawnmower, the entire, I don't know, is it 42 k's a marathon? That's Someone correct, correct yeah. me if I'm wrong. 42 k's, he pushed a lawnmower. So we want to know the strangest place that you've taken a lawnmower to. I don't know, maybe, maybe you've gone down to your local sports field uh, before your game and mowed the lawns yourself because you weren't happy with the state of them the week before. I'm sure there's uh, some mirthful stories out there. Uh, get your nominations uh, through. Love to hear um, them throughout the throughout the program. Ben Francis got his hand up. I'm a little bit concerned why. Have you taken your lawnmower on the road? No, it's not a lawnmower, but it is something that does eat a lot of grass. I was driving home, no joke, after the show last week, and there was it was like a little Toyota Vitz went driving past me on the on the fast lane on the motorway, and I saw something in the in the in the back seat, and I was like, "What on earth is that?" So then I sped up to catch up to it, and this guy just had his back seats down and just had a goat. <laughs> it's like head sticking between like the two front seats, just like you know, just drooping like a goat. <laughs> it does, but he's just in as like a little Toyota Vitz, and just has got a goat in his car. <laughs> A goat and a toilet of it. What a mental picture. A real life lawnmower right there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Brilliant stuff. Tim writes, we got on the chop of my garage once and at one o'clock, and I assume this is not in the afternoon, Tim, uh, one o'clock in the morning, we decided it would be a good idea to trim up the carpet in my garage. I still have the noise control ticket. He writes, brilliant stuff. Uh, strangest place you've taken to a lawnmower. These are the questions that come out on the Saturday sessions. Miles Club between uh, 10 and 11. Um, brought to you by Tui Lawn Force. Visit our new Lawn Force website hub for expert lawn advice. Our number is 0800 150 811. Always encourage you to join the show. You can text us on double eight double three. We'll get to headlines in just a moment. The big feature this hour is Lance O'Hire. Uh, we're going to have a long uh, chat with him about uh, A, why he's in the United States these days, B, what he makes of the Warriors in 2023 and News of Roger Tuovasashek, and also some of his fond memories of playing the Melbourne Storm. Uh, he has a winning record against the Melbourne Storm in 20 games against them. Uh, so we have to go right to the uh, the former Warriors great Lance O'Hire to talk about um, you know positive times, Warriors Nation, uh, when taking on the Storm. G'day, Dean. Welcome. How are you? Hey, good mate. You're not going to believe this, but I was just listening to that goat story you're saying. And I was up in Auckland two weeks ago, and that guy, that guy is a contractor, and it goes to work. He takes it to the pub. That's a legendary what? goat of Auckland. I'm not having you on. I am not having you on. The building site I was on, that goat was there. And I knew when I come up from Dunedin, Timbercargill, that, you know, they're all a bit different up there, but it's yeah. true. And he told me, oh, I, I he- pissed it up laughing. I a photo of it in the back of that bloody Toyota. And said to him, what's this? And he said, no, I take it to the pub. So he doesn't have a pet dog. The guy actually has a pet goat. It's, and it's not a small well, I'm goat. I'm glad it's an owner-pet relation, uh, Ship. I was getting a bit concerned yeah. there for a while. So he takes his it's goat all... everywhere. Yeah, mate, honest truth. He even goes to the local pub. <laughs> uh, he told me the name of the goat, but, you know, 
I'm not, I'm not going to go here. Uh, no, 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 it wasn't actually. But I, it just slips me. I don't know what it is. But what I want to bring up about today, actually, mate, honestly, is I watched that Crusaders game last night. Yeah. With a lot of interest now with, mid, with midfield positions for the All Blacks, you know. Are we allowed to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely, mate. It's your show when it comes to talk back. Far away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, it was, the Chiefs game was interesting, too. There was a young guy, Rona, was on there, like a kid that places concrete. And in the interview, Jeff interviewed him, and it made me laugh because when was the last time a worker actually played rugby? Because he's in the wider <laughs> development squad, so with all their injuries, they actually called him in. And it was quite funny because he said... You know, he loves it. He and he played bloody well too, that boy Rona. And um and good luck to him. We could do it with the Hollanders, we'll sign him next year and he'll get a start. He won't have to muck around Paul and Congress for the rest of his life. But he As long as he can tackle right, Dean. As long as he can tackle, he'll make the Islanders. He pulls concrete, mate. He can tackle. He had a great game. The kid the kid's useful. Like he is very, very good. But it was I laughed when he said, you know, he'd rather be a rugby player. And I totally understand that, because I would love to be young and be a rugby player too. But, yeah, but then, 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 and I just drove back, drove back from Wamaru, so I missed the first half, seen the second half, but then I really wanted to see the Crusaders game. And honestly, when that kid has a, Rona has a yard to Braden Enor, he would probably say, after last night's game, placing concrete is easier. Because like I'm old and it was a bunger of a job when I did it, but now it comes out like a cow pack, you know. Like it's not, it's, it says it's 100 MPA when it leaves the factory, and then they put two tonne of water on it. So they just shovel it around with your gumboot and flatten it off and walk away. They don't, the floors are shit now, mate. Honest truth, they're rubbish. The concrete places will hate that, but they know I'm telling the truth. So if he asks Braden Enor, when he gets to Braden Enor's standard, which he may well do, what I'm getting at is Braden Enor had one hell of a game, and he looked like yeah. it was dirtier than the flankers. He had a hell of a game. Yeah. So we are... I, I, that, that's funny that you actually mentioned him, Dean. I was, I was on with uh, Kempe, and we talked about Roger Tuivasa-Shet, where, where's he in the midfield sort of mix. I wrote down a list of Geordie Barrett, Rico Ioane, David Ovilli, Jack Goodhue, Anton Leonard-Brown, Quintupai, um, and also uh, Billy Proctor, Thomas Umaga jensen as future players in 2024 and beyond. I even wrote down Levi Armour. I'm not sure if he's announced who is the legends. I completely forgot about Brayden Enor. No, you can't, because like that, and yeah. he, he, I believe he'll go because he can play. He he's that anywhere man like Harvilly. Harvilly was outstanding last night too. Like for me, yeah, that, I love Geordie Barrett too. Like I don't know, but I want a combination. I'd love to see Brad and Damien, and I wouldn't be at all upset if I seen Dave and the boy Enor at thirteen, and then Rico can go to thirteen if he can catch a high ball. It would have been better off spending four years teaching them to catch a high ball, because that's why they moved them, because they thought that was a bit of an issue with the Northern Hemisphere yeah. teams booting everything in the air. But that's that's a skill set that you can actually practice. Vision yeah. Yeah. and passing he's getting better at, but his vision and knowing what to do, and his natural instinct is to run down the Twickenham sideline like John Alamo used to, and Jeff Wilson, and many fabulous wingers before him and after him will do in the future. That's his spot. We all know it. We need to sack the coach. If the coach actually had this, I, I admire Roger for walking away. Saying he still wants to go to the World Cup, mate, he's dreaming. I don't even understand why they'd even be looking at him now. I don't even understand why, to be honest, they were looking at him in the first place. They didn't help him by not letting him play NPC when he first came. 
No, that, that's fair. That's that's fair, team. We've got to leave it at that, mate, my friend. Uh, we're just getting a little bit behind on things. Thanks so much for calling us. Gee, we covered off a lot there. State of concrete, uh, mid, another midfield option, um, and this goat's a real thing, Ben Francis. Th- this goat that you spotted is real. Um, a, a man has a pet goat, and he drives around to construction sites with. Wow. It's nine minutes after 11. We haven't got, even got to the headlines at the top of the hour, have we? Gee, a lot is happening here on the Saturday session. Um, I'll power through them, shall I? Chiefs recording their eighth straight victory in Super Rugby 50-17 last night. The Crusaders coming down from uh, late uh, to beat the Rebels um, rather unconvincingly. Uh, the score in that game was 43-27. Uh, to the English Premier League, where Arsenal um, have blown the title, I argue, um, drawing 3-3 against Southampton. They came down from three goals to one down. They scored in the 88th and 90th minute. Such a drama-filled game. Uh, but surely getting a draw against the bottom place at Southampton, um, not going to win you the, uh, the EPL. Uh, meantime, Vincent Company is one of the managers on Chelsea's shortlist for the new permanent job. Um, and that list has got a little bit shorter because apparently former... Uh, Bayern Munich boss Julian Nagelsmann has pulled out of the running. And real sad news, the Tuatara uh, baseball franchise uh, has been placed into liquidation and will no longer compete in the uh, Australian Baseball League. The uh, Tuatara entered the Australian League in 2018, set out the entire 2021 and 2021-22 seasons due to COVID restrictions uh, and just have not really been able to uh, get over that. 10 minutes after 11 o'clock. This is the Saturday session. A big feature interview this hour is Lance O'Hire. Uh, we covered off a number of topics with the guy, including playing the Storm, which he's got um, lots of memories of. Uh, his thoughts on two of us, Sheik, the, the state of the Warriors in 2023. But these days, uh, the former Warriors great, former World Cup winner, is in the United States, isn't he, Ben Francis? And um, in the first part of our little chat, yeah, Ben Francis was there. Fair to say you were quite excited to have Lance O'Hire on the show. Is that, is that right, Ben? Oh, he's my favourite Warriors player of all time. I swear, I swear yeah. I've swear, i seen him play prop, uh, considering his size. I'm, he's played on the wing. He's played everywhere. Like, And I honestly I'm not, and I honestly think that when he left, that was a, one of the big reasons why we kind of saw a bit of a decline on the Warriors the following year. You were sad? I was terribly sad. Yeah, and, and I completely understand why. Uh, incredible re- uh, career he, he did have. Uh, but these days he's in... Um, He's in Michigan, Grand Rapids, Michigan, if I'm not mistaken. And we started off by uh, asking him how on earth he, he ended up up there. Uh, so my ex-wife is a Michigan gal. So uh, that's how <laughs> And um, i got the two boys. They're 10 and 8. So, you know, this is home for me now. I want to be close to them. I'm, I'm pretty, you know, ever-present in their lives, obviously. And um, it's a good little spot. You know, it's cold in the winter, but... Um, you know, the summers are beautiful, but but that's that's how I ended up here. Have you lost a few friends, mate, because you're coaching rugby these days? A few of the boys no longer talking to you? Yeah, I mean, my family and friends give me a bit of bit of a hard time, but um, there isn't any league here, so I, I kind of didn't really have a choice. You know, the 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 league is more around east, out sort of New York way. Uh, there's a little bit down south, down in Florida, but nothing in Michigan. No no league at all in Michigan. So, you know, I. Uh, and I played union in school, so I did. You know, I had I did, I did have a background playing through through high school, and went to a good rugby school in Hamilton. And um, I do enjoy the game, and it's obviously played a lot more like league nowadays, I believe, and and more so than it ever has been. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it is what it is, mate. You know, I, I do enjoy it, and um, it's been fun f- for me as as uh, 
as a boy growing up from New Zealand to try and you know show these show these kids how how, how we sort of play back home. You're coaching 15s and 7s, aren't you? I think you've got a big nationals next weekend at 7s, so we're delighted to get you this weekend. Uh, you always, it always struck me as such a composed guy, calm guy on the field, softly spoken. I just can't vision you like giving your team a spray at halftime. I, I just, I could not vision you getting angry. No, I don't think I get angry. I think I get, you know, I get annoyed and, and frustrated and, and I kind of just, I, I use that as a, I guess, I use encouraging words and try to provide solutions to issues that we have on the field, like whether it's, you know, we're not using the ball well or we're not, or we're kicking it too much or we're, we're not being patient with the ball. We're not building any phases. You know, I try to really like challenge them on that and just say, Hey, you guys, this is, this is what we need to do to fix the issue. And, you know, just, yeah, I don't, I don't rant and rave. That's not really my thing. You know, I don't sort of shout kick buckets around the room or anything like that. That <laughs> go either. Um, but I just kind of, I try and, I try and press, you know, press their, their buttons a little bit in, in different ways and, and just try and encourage them and challenge them basically as men challenge them as rugby players, challenge them as athletes and say, look, you got to do better. If you want to win and you want to compete, these are the things you have to do and you just have to get out there and do it. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, that's kind of my approach. The, the Warriors of 2023, how plugged in are you? Is it hard to, to find the content over there? Is a few illegal streams? Uh, you know, how, how are you keeping plugged in on what has so far been an incredibly positive start? Yeah, to be fair, I think it's, you know, it is, challenging to, to stay as connected as I would like to um, time differences and everything. And, and I've just got a busy life here in the U S too, but I, I absolutely keep, you know, keep in touch with what's going on. And I always watch all the highlights and I know, I know what's happening in terms of the wins and losses and things like that. Um, and this year just, just seems to be, you know, there's a good feeling about it. Right. And, and I think, you know, everybody is cautiously optimistic about how the rest of the season can go and um, the signs are there for them to, to do well I think they've got the mixture right they've got seems like the culture is is, is good um, the new coaching staff has have some good um, you know structures and and he's got the guys playing for each other which which is great so um, Shawnee Johnson's playing good as well which I think has been a, a big contributor for for their uh, performances of late, you need your seven to be playing well, right? In, in any you know championship winning team, you need your seven to be to be on. And I think he's he's playing well. He looks happy, and I'm happy for him to yeah. to be up off again. How long into to a season did you feel right? I know what we've got here. We're going to be good. Is it early or is it now? Like they are what they are, or is it too early for me to say that? No, I think you know when I was playing, we we typically kind of didn't start very well, and we. Yeah really good back end of the season. That was kind of the last five years that I was at the Warriors. We, we would always just come home strong and we didn't really plan it that way, obviously. I think, you know, in terms of our, our belief and our, the Kiwis have been that way a little bit, you know, in tournaments, we sort of start out slow and we finish well. And that, that I don't know, historically has kind of been the way that the Warriors were when, when I was playing at least. Um, but the way they've started, if they can continue to build on these things and keep guys fit and healthy and, especially in those key positions, guys can can stay out on the field and, and play together and play often and and you just build on that confidence. Um, yeah, I think they can go deep into the playoffs this year for sure. I think it, this, all the signs are there for them to, to do well. 16 minutes after 11 o'clock, this is the Saturday session with Robin Q. Uh, we are speaking to former Warriors great Lance O'Hire based in the United States these days. We'll take a short break in part two. We'll... Uh, you know, reminisce about some of his fond matchups against the Storm. The Anzac Day game, of course, are looming on the horizon on Tuesday. The Warriors taking on the Storm. The Storm have dominated the Warriors in recent times. 
But when Lance Ohio was playing, the Warriors uh, came out on the right side more often than not. More from Lance Ohio after this. 21 minutes after 11 o'clock, we continue our chat with former Warriors great Lance Ohio. We caught up with him uh, a little bit earlier. He's based in the US uh, these days. Fine record in his uh, own time with the Warriors against the Storm. And the Storm has always been a special game. Uh, for New Zealand League fans. Of course, lots of Kiwis have played for uh, the Storm over the years. Uh, we asked uh, Lance about his record. That speaks for itself, uh, having a winning record against the Storm over 20 games in the NRL. We asked him, was playing the Storm more than just your average game? Yeah, I think, you know, they've consistently been the standard for the competition. And, and you know, we had a lot of respect for that as as a club and, and as individuals. And, um, you know, it's it was just a great game for us to really test ourselves against the best. You know, they were, you knew you're going to be in it for a battle. If you were going to beat them, you had to play, you know, as well as you can and, and as consistently as you can and, and, you know, complete high, you know, high completion rate with, with your, um, with your sets, minimal errors, you know, a lot of effort on, on your try line and defensively, they, they're going to test you everywhere. So it was, it was just a good challenge for us, and, and I'm not sure why, but we always enjoyed that. And um, as I said, I think they they had a respect for us as well, and, and, and we appreciated that as, as a club and as a team. And they were just great games. You know, I think we had, you know, kind of similar styles in a way. We, we really liked to, um, you know, test the edges and, and play around the rock. And we had some dynamic players that could, you know, good support players um, that could sort of bust the game open and, um, you know, big outside dynamic backs. They had the same kind of team, really. And, and uh, it was always an exciting game. And it was always one that I look forward to, uh, especially, you know, when, when Cameron Smith and Cooper Cronk and uh, Billy Slater were playing. You know, they were dangerous guys, but I, I really enjoyed, you know, challenging myself against against those those three in particular. Yeah, they were a remarkable lineup, weren't they, when, when those three were involved? It was, I think, the first Anzac uh, Day game you were involved. Well, you're quite deep into your career at this stage. I think it was 2009. Ben will nod and tell me if I've got that right. Uh, that was as tight as you could ever possibly imagine. But but the notion of Anzac Day, I, I just don't know how you would have grappled with that. We, we all know how significant the day is um, to both countries, but to play sport on it, I don't know if you tried to embrace the Anzac spirit um you know what are your memories of going into that very first Anzac Day game yeah absolutely I think you know it was it, it was a special occasion obviously we have um you know the the bugles would play and and, you, and there's it, the emotion just it, it hits you you know and you and you understand the significance of, of what you're playing for and the people that have um you know sacrificed a hell of a lot more than than we did as as rugby league players and athletes and um, you know, you buy into that emotion and, and, and they do too. And, and it just it brings a lot of intensity to the match and you, you just kind of harness that. And um, I don't know why, but the games always seem to be just uh, just really high quality. And, and I think they, they enjoy playing us and we enjoy playing them. And, um, you know, the, the, the games were never grubby. You know, they, they, were, they were always high, um, you know, high, highly skilled, a lot of class involved by both teams, a lot of respect for both teams. And, and you know, I, I really enjoy playing playing games like that because that's what the game's all about, right? And those are the those are the enjoyable experiences as a player. Those, those are the types of games that you want to play in, um, you know, against quality opposition, highly skilled, classy, respectful uh, teams. That's that's kind of uh, the feeling that we would always get from those from those games. In 09, you start at fullback, don't you? Opposite the field, Billy Slater, one of those names you mentioned yep. earlier. You know, Will Chambers, uh, Greg Inglis, uh, Finch, Cronk, Smith, Blair, Wanangi Kopu uh, was playing for them. Hoffman, man, that, that was a loaded 
the loaded Storm side. What do you remember about the 09 game that finished 14 apiece? Um, I mean, I think, you know, we were loaded too. We had a great year. Yeah. I think 2008 was one of my best seasons personally at the club. And, you know, we won a World Cup that year. And, you know, so in terms of the confidence of the squad, you know, the guys that have played for the Kiwis and, and had been through that season and, um, 09 was another good year. We, you know, we had we had a pretty good year in 09, and so we went there without, you know, riding high and and confidence to to go there and do the job. And um, as I said, you know, we we turn up there knowing that we're going to get a game. We, we kind of know the type of game that we're going to receive from Melbourne. Um, you know, they don't change too much of what they do, and and they do those things really really well. And and then we had a belief in our team that we could stop that and 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 you know do that a little bit better and, and win the game and. Obviously, we didn't that day, but um, yeah, we always walk away from from matches against Melbourne, you know, with uh, you know, with with a lot of um, you know, I guess happiness about you know the 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 types of games that we play against them, and um, that one was no different. Went down to the went down to the very last, didn't it? You guys have a play to win it at the end, don't you? Yeah, that was a bit of a handbrake to your team back in those days. Let you down, today. what's that? So a bit of a handbrake in your side back in those days. Once Stacey Jones might have had a field goal attempt. Did that go yeah, wrong? Was Stacey actually? I think Stacey dropped the ball, and he passed it back to me, and I kicked the goal, and um, he knocked it on <laughs> as as they were passing back to Stacey. So Stacey, I can't remember who passed him the ball. It may have been Ian Henderson or Nathan Fien, and Stacey was inside me, and he was going to have a crack, and and and. The option is you always have somebody on your left to go back to if yeah. you get it. Okay, so so I was in the pocket for Stacey and and I was ready for that for the second part if somebody was um you know pressuring him too much and he could get that ball to me. So I think what happened is the ball went to his feet and he kind of bobbled it and, and it looked like he may have caught the ball, but I he did drop it. Um it was at his it was at his toes and then he whisked the ball back to me. Um and I kicked the goal. I kicked it through the goal and it was at the end of the game. And, and obviously the referee called it back and called the scrum and a knock on. So we we didn't we didn't get the win that day. But you know, had had the referee um not gone to the um the eye in the sky, you know, we, we could have got away with that one, but it wasn't to be. If it was a mere mortal, you'd probably give him a spray, wouldn't you? But it's Stacey <laughs> Jones. Oh well, well done. Unlucky Stacey, you made one mistake in your career. Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it was just one of those things. I'd probably go up to whoever passing the ball and give him a spray about, you know. <laughs> the, 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 but yeah, I mean, Stace and I are good mates. We 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 had a, you know, we had a few tussles on the field in regard to, you know, those types of things. And um, but but I have a lot of respect for him. And and as you said, you know, there's not many things that he did wrong in his career, so we can let him off for that one. Yeah, but off the boot, you knew it was going over, didn't you? You're like, yeah, I'm yeah, on the game. Mine was through when I kicked it, and I think it was about it was only thirty meters or so, and you know I struck it fine, and and I didn't have too much pressure on me, and and I was directly in front, but Stacy was kind of to the right of the sticks, and um yeah the ball you know he was moving away from the ball, and he just kind of bobbled it, um bobbled it on the toes there before he gave it to me, so that yeah. that uh, obviously is uh is a knock on, so you you get over the line in twenty eleven. Uh, again, in another tight one. Uh, memory's pretty, you know, firm in the mind. I, I just don't know how you recall these games, Lance. And, and I've seen a lot of interviews, you know, the one you did with Monty a year ago on Sky Sport, mate, your memory was so good for a guy, you know, played so many games and at yeah. times took 
pretty, um, you know, agricultural blows to the head. We'll leave that alone. But you, you, your recall's pretty sharp. Yeah, I think, um, you know, obviously, you know, the games are very vivid to me in, in the moment. Yeah. And they're all enjoyable experiences for me for the most part. You know, I think those games in particular, the big games, and I remember that one with, with Lewis and Shawnee Johnson, you know, doing dancing some some magic down the short side there and um, to win the game for us in, in, in 11, 2011. So yeah, those are those are moments that you remember for sure. I absolutely recall the big moments and 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 the important games and you know and some of the non-important games you could say too. You know, games that that go back, you know, right back to my my first year. So um, for some reason, I'm able yeah to recall recall those recall those memories uh, pretty well. Yeah, so you won the Anzac game in 2011, of course. Uh, well, you knocked out the Storm uh, later that year in the preliminary final as well. So they would have been uh, delighted yep. when you departed. Uh, the Warriors <laughs> to ventures new up, up north. Uh, I'm, I'm utterly sure of that. Um, as far as the last few years, you know, beyond your time with the Warriors, we all know the last five or six years, it's been pretty ugly, isn't it? Last year's the highlight, 70 points, 10 going down. I quickly crunched the numbers, and I think over the last seven games, the average score has been 41-10. Do, do teams get in other teams' heads? Do you believe that? That you know, yeah. the, Over the last few years, the Warriors probably turned up and go, we'll probably lose this. This is this what always happens over the last five or six years. Yeah, I think there's you know, a big part of you know, psych- psychology, sports psychology and psychological um, – impact in terms of winning and losing. I mean, my team is in a situation over here where we've got a team that we just can't seem to beat. And, and uh, it is. You turn up to the game knowing and, and remembering the losses. And um, unfortunately, you know, that that kind of, you know, that culture and, and those memories, are kind of, they kind of breed that emotional insecurity in a way in, in terms of your performance. And uh, it's, it's tough to overcome, especially if, you know, you're playing the same team and, and they're playing as well as they have and, and as posit- as well as they can and the same guys that are doing the same good things out on the field and, and maybe you don't have quite the same talent or ability on, on the field and that absolutely plays into it. So um, I think it's a little different this year. So we'll see. We'll see how they're riding high and they've got some players playing well, playing as well as they have for a while and, and – and, uh, I'm, I'm optimistic that they can go there and do a much better job than they have in the last, you know, three, four years. Just two more questions from me, Lance. We'll let you get back to it. Um, first one, I, the number one New Zealand Warriors fan, Ben Francis, our producer. Have I forgotten anything, mate? You are the historian. You are the historian uh, amongst us. Are you happy with the boxes we've ticked here with Lance? I we I am, but I, I do have to ask, unfortunately, about 2010, which was a bit of a drubbing. And the reason I have to ask is because that was the Storm's first game they played following the salary cap scandal. And yeah. I, I, I was, I'm very curious to know, were, were you anticipating a massive onslaught by the Storm in that match? Yes. Yes, we were. I mean, obviously, um, you know, we have guys on our team and trainers and coaches that, that have been around the game for a long time and, and we understood the significance of what that had done to their club and, and how they all felt about that and, um, you know, the, the champion characters they had on their team and, and we absolutely expected them to come out and, and um, use all of that emotion against us um, and 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 in true Melbourne fashion, they they absolutely did that and we just weren't able to stem, you know, stem the tide. They, 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 they had, you know 
all the desire in the world and and we didn't seem to get anywhere near matching that on that day unfortunately and um it, it was something that you know we did talk about and um but talking about it knowing knowing it and and, and obviously trying to stop those things are two different things so um yeah it was obviously unfortunate for them to have to go through that and and um but they kind of brought it upon themselves didn't they so I guess that was uh, that was a way for them to kind of get a lot of their frustration and emotion out about about the situation and, and seemed to have done well for them. The other one I wanted to ask is, and looking across all the Storm games, is there one game to you that stands out more than the rest? Um, I think Daniel said you played them like 20 times and uh, from the top of my head, I don't know if you played in this one, there was a game at Mount Smart, I think it finished like 4-2. Um, it was like wet and horrible. There was 08 yeah, with the Michael Witt try. Like things like that, you know, was there one oh, game that played in? Yeah, I think it was a Michael Witt try that year. That was 2008, and I believe we were eighth that year. And we were the – I think it was the first team to beat team the the, the minor premiers ever in, yeah. in the NRL. So pretty significant win for us. And obviously we went on and almost got to the big dance that year, but we didn't quite um, get there. Um, but that one that one stands out because I think, you know, before that – we, we, you know, 2004, 5, 6, and 7, we, we hadn't had a lot of success in the finals. And, um, you know, we'd had some years where we, we weren't doing so well. So, so that one was the, kind of the start point of the, the turnaround, and I believe, in, in, the, in the direction of the club and, and the performances that we had over the ensuing years. That, that was kind of the catalyst for that, that 2008 season. And, you know, that was the year we grew the beards. And, and you yeah. know, that, that was... Um, yeah, so that game in particular, 2008, stands out a lot for me because, uh, as I said, I think it was a bit of a turning point for the club that year and, and it just showed you know where we were at as a team to go over to Melbourne and play them at home. Um, and what was if we lose, we're out. So, I mean, that that was kind of do or die for us and the attitude we had. And um, I think we had – I think there was a uh, – um, what do we use? Burn the boats? I think it was – a phrase that we were using, burn the boats. And there was a story about um, some Vikings that fought a war many, many years ago. And, and they, they, they got to the place they were fighting and they burned all their boats. There was no other, there was no other solution besides winning. Like you, the boats are burnt. We can't go home. Like we have to win and conquer this country or, or this, or this war or this battle. And, and that's our only alternative. That's our only option. So that, that was something that we, we took on board and, um, Obviously, you know, worked out for us, and and uh, that that was a memorable year for us that year. Ironic, burning the boats, isn't that what the storm did after the salary cap saga? They had to burn their boats, something like that. The ones that have been dropped on their front lawn, <laughs> basically. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave those alone. Lastly, from me, huge news: Roger Tuivasa returning to the NRL. That's a big, big tick for the sport. The guy was incredible um, before venturing off this little sojourn into rugby, but also returning to the Warriors too. You know how how big a how big a get is that you feel? Yes, massive. Rogers obviously um, going to go down as as one of the legends of our club. You know, I know he hasn't been there for for an extensive period of time, but uh, he's had a big impact in a short space of time. I think it was five years that he was there. Um, his leadership and obviously his character and, and his ability as a, as a as a league player and um, you know absolutely is is going to be valuable for that team next year. And, and if, you know, Shawnee Johnson continues to play on and play as well as he is, I think having those two back together again will be uh, fairly dynamic. And um, 
yeah, happy for him. You know, he went and had a crack at rugby. I think that was something that he'd talked about for a long time and that was a desire of his and, um, and you know, a niche that he, he scratched and, and now he's coming back to his, his true love by the sounds of it and, and I'm, I'm stoked to, to hear that news. And we've been stoked to have you on the show. Really, I've taken way too much of your time, uh, Lance. I could chat to you for ages. Thank, thanks so much. I must admit, with the guns, mate, you're rocking a tight T-shirt. The guns are looking great. Looks like you could add to the 185 uh, games for the Warriors, mate. You're looking in good luck. Yeah, trying to keep fit, mate. My kids are young and, you know, we we go on adventures and obviously I'm still coaching too, so I, I work out with the boys and, and run around a little bit. We, we do some training, some trail runs and, still try to get in there and show them how it's done but um i've got to stay fit and healthy because i like to eat right so i i train so i can eat what i want but um but thank you yeah i do try to try to stay healthy and um summer's coming up so i gotta you know gotta look my best yeah, and those big portions in the u.s you're, you're doing fine work lads thanks so much again we, we really do appreciate it and hopefully we can catch up again down the line take it easy yeah thanks guys have a good one Lance O'Hire, who was kind enough to give us plenty of his time as we spoke to him a little bit earlier about some of his favourite memories against the Storm. You've got to go right to, you know, to the top, don't you, when you talk about history of the Warriors and the Storm. He played in 20 games, had a winning record against them, uh, played in uh, some of the more famous matches, of course, in more recent times. It's been rather lopsided, none uh, more so than 2022, 70 points to 10, 80 minutes. A point a minute stuff, wasn't it, Ben Francis? 70 of them scored by the Storm. Uh, incredible uh, contributor to the Warriors over the years, 185 games. He played 48 games at fullback, 15 at centre, 44 at 5'8", 10 at halfback, 14 at hooker and off the bench at 54. Mr. Fix-It, right, Ben Francis? No wonder your heart skips a beat whenever I mention Lance O'Hire's uh, name. And I'm not just talking about how big his guns are. He, he looks he looks in better shape now than his playing days. Oh, he does. It's incredible. Um, yeah, it is incredible, but uh, really good to have him on the show. Uh, my favourite Warriors player, as I said, so it was awesome to get the opportunity to have a chat with him. Almost 20 minutes away from 12 o'clock, the Warriors up against the Storm Tuesday. We've got full coverage right here on ECNZ. Back after this. 16 minutes away from 12 o'clock, and thanks to our wonderful team at Rubben and Cure Award-winning rubs and sauces, seasonings, Time for rub the wrong way. Something that has rubbed me the wrong way. You may or may not have heard this, that World Rugby has quietly adopted a policy that test teams will have to wear light or dark kits from 2025 to make it easier for spectators who are colourblind. The 2021, in 2021 rather, World Rugby released guidelines about their intention to adopt colourblindness policies. And last week it apparently became official. Now, according to reports in South Africa... World Rugby has officially ratified the proposed guidelines to accommodate people who suffer from colour vision deficiency, more commonly known as colour blindness. This hasn't gone down well, let me explain, in part because it is expected to play a part during the upcoming Rugby World Cup. This means teams like the Box might have to wear a white strip at this year's World Cup if they were to meet a team like New Zealand. Or the All Blacks would have to play in an alternative strip against the Box. Furthermore, this change means that when the Box and All Blacks meet after 2025, or even at this year's World Cup, as I previously mentioned, they will not wear their home kits at the same time. South Africa has reportedly raised concerns about this World Rugby regulation that uh, proposes they need to wear light or dark. Um, however, it's believed South Africa and New Zealand rugby bosses aren't overly pleased. Can you imagine no All Black Black? <laughs> No New Zealand black or no Springbok green. 
Now, reports added that South African rugby has written to World Rugby indicating that it might not follow the protocol demanding light and dark jerseys, with New Zealand rugby believed to be doing the same, according to South African media. Uh, I would like to think, if you're a major uh, organisation like New Zealand Rugby, Ben Francis, and your branding strategy is based on a team having to play in one colour alone, um, the NZR would be rather motivated to keep their teams in, I don't know, all black. Uh, this stuff does rub me the wrong way. Why? Because I'm a hopeless traditionalist. The All Blacks have been playing Test Match Rugby against the Mighty Box since, what, the early 1920s? They've played more than 100 Test Matches, and I can't recall too many people complaining about not being able to differentiate between the two sides over those contests. Maybe they have been, but they are in the you know, non-vocal minority. Now, I do think, and I want to stress this, I do think it is important to raise that a not insignificant number of people do battle with colour vision vision deficiency. It's far more prevalent in men. Some reports I've read suggest 1 in 12 men or 8% are affected by it. Now, South African's acting CEO, Ran uh, Oberholzer, is quoted as saying in this report, and with that in mind, uh, South African rugby supports World Rugby's ambition to make rugby as inclusive as possible. We have serious reservations about potential impacts the application of colour blindness regulations may have and believe they need further interrogation. So what do you think of this? Am I an, on an island when I think this is a little bit odd? Now I'm sincere when I ask and directly to those who are impacted by colour vision deficiency. I'm not trying to dis- disregard what you go through, quite the contrary. But is it hard to determine which team is which? Do let me know, especially if it is the All Blacks up against South Africa. I'm kind of talking about this in its own little bubble now, aren't I? And help educate me, because my initial thought is to ask this. Is it difficult when one team already wears white shorts, i.e. light colour, and the other team wears black shorts, i.e. a dark colour? Is that enough? Am I being too simplistic? Am I overlooking things? Are shorts enough? I might be short on education in this space. So please feel free to enlighten me on 0800 150 or double eight double three. It's kind of rubbed me the wrong way, but I could be convinced otherwise. That is rubbed the wrong way with uh, Rum and Q, award-winning barbecue rub sauces and seasons, seasonings rather, absolutely perfect for any occasion. And for all our listeners, what has rubbed you the wrong way this week. You can text in your answer to double eight double three, and you can go in the pot with a few seasonings and rubs. And you can win an awesome little uh, prize pack thanks to the team at Rum and Q. And boy, oh boy, you want some of that. Their stuff is simply excellent. Each week, uh, rub the wrong way, we'll be giving away a prize pack um, of Rum and Q products to you. Send in through your suggestions of who's rubbed you the wrong way, double eight double three. I'll even ask Ben Francis. And hopefully he'll enter the spirit of this game at least. He'll ponder it, you ponder it, then let your fingers do the talking. Double eight, double three, everyone who sends in uh, their thoughts uh, into the pot. Feel free to join me, 11 away from 12. This is the Saturday session. We are approaching the top of the hour. We will catch up with Grant Elliott in the final hour of the program. Uh, rub me the wrong way. Rub me, what rubbed me the wrong way? Uh, Blacks, South African jerseys, and I did ask quite sincerely, and I'm very sincere about this, to those especially who are impacted by colour vision deficiency, to educate me. I'd, I'd love to be able to um, 
you know, better understand uh, how you deal with this. It's not an insignificant uh, portion of the population, especially the men's uh, male population. Uh, you know, quite a large uh, percentage men are of you know sports watching audiences. Um, uh, even in 2023, and I'm really appreciative of those who've already sent in some messages on uh, the subject matter, like this one from Richard, who uh, quite simply writes on double eight double three. I'm colourblind and a traditionalist. Just leave things the way they are. Thank you very much, Richard, uh, for that. Um, we've got another one here from Nosk, who writes in in Christchurch. Hope you're having a great day, my friend. Uh, I'm colourblind. I can't see anything. Was uh, with the Shiara plate test, but we don't see in black and white. Sounds like rules being made by people who don't know just how insignificant colour blindness is. Dumb D. Dumb from uh, Nosk in, or D. Nosk in Christchurch. Thank you very much, uh, Nosk. Do appreciate that. Keep your um, messages coming in, like this one from Craig also writes I'm colour blind, and the last time a rugby jersey made me sick was grey. In 2007 World Cup quarterfinal. The only man who likes that jersey works alongside me. It's one of your favourite sporting jerseys, isn't it, Ben Francis? No, I actually told you during the break that is the one. I actually, no, you're right. I would love for you to all to wear that jersey again, but I don't like it. Bring it back. But I want them bring to bring it back. it back so they can look awful. <laughs> yeah, and our phone lines would light up and we would reap some serious benefits in our talk back segments. Uh, we'll head off. To this uh, short break at uh, four minutes away from 12 o'clock. Grant Elliott in the final hour. We'll catch up with the good oil. We're, of course, the way. We've got so much to get through, including uh, announcing our giveaway. So keep your suggestions coming through for who's rubbed you up the wrong way during the week. Stay with us. 12 o'clock into the hour we go. This is the Saturday session. Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis riding shotgun with me. Grant Elliott will join us a little bit later as uh, we catch up with his latest week in Pakistan. He's still on the road following the Black Caps tour to Pakistan. Let's update, though, the sporting headlines at the top of the hour. The Crusaders beating the Rebels. Unconvincing, has to be said, 43 points to 27. Surviving quite the scare in Super Rugby Pacific. Uh, the six-time defending champion struggled to capitalise on plenty of uh, territory in the opening half. Scored two tries from only uh, from 14 visits to the Reds. So not a high uh, proportion, has to be said. Uh, but were more clinical as the contest wore on, and while they're rivals wore out you could argue Melbourne actually led with 10 minutes remaining but uh, the Crusaders doing enough to uh, go over on a couple of occasions to make it look far more comfortable than the scoreboard uh, does suggest 43-27 uh, meantime the Chiefs extend their unbeaten run to 50-17 to um, against the Fijian Drua uh, last night in wet conditions that's 8 on the bounce 8 on the bounce for the Chiefs let's play a game Ben Francis it's called when do the Chiefs lose again in Super Rugby? I'm going to put you on the spot. Do they lose against the Crusaders next weekend? Where is the game being played? It's uh, Chiefs country. And remember, they are thrashed to Crusaders in week one down in Christchurch anyway. Okay, uh, Chiefs will win. Okay, Chiefs win that one. So uh, that's nine from nine. Uh, that From there on in, there's a few tricky games, but it's not, not littered with, um, you know... Massively t- challenging test ma- um, tests. They're at the Highlanders the following weekend. Oh, that's an easy one. Yeah. Uh, then they visit. Then the Reds come to visit. Easy one. Then the Canes come to visit. I think. I th- well, based on it being at home, I think the Chiefs will get up. Then they visit the Brumbies in Canberra. See, that's uh, the that's the one I think will be tough. 
yeah, that will be tough. And then they finish at the force, don't they? Oh, that will be one. We're, we're actually pl- we're actually playing a game, Daniel. Uh, Gordon Simpson, uh, former Hurricanes representative. Betcha. He um. Betcha, what a bloke! He, How you doing, Betcha? He he recently tore his bicep, and he's got he's got a big biceps, a very big biceps, and he he's got his like little mechanical arm thing on. And I think he said it's on for another month, and it's already been on for about a month. And when we at the time we said, "What's going to happen first? Is that going to come off, or is Moana Pacifica going to get a win?" Ooh, which is a bit harsh. But on currently, yeah, on currently on track, Gordon's going to win. Okay, okay, yep. That, that's the that's the glass half empty uh, one. The glass half full is the team going through unbeaten. But yeah, it, it's a it's a fair point to raise, no doubt. So you're saying Crusaders, Highlanders, Reds, Canes, they're all, they're, they're all sorted. It's the Brumbies. So beat the Brumbies in Canberra, it's a perfect season. Yeah. According to us at SCNZ. Uh, you're welcome, uh, Chiefs Chiefs management. No pressure. No pressure whatsoever. Back to the headlines. The Wellington Phoenix are in serious danger of missing the A-League men's finals altogether after another loss, their fourth in five games. This time they went down four goals to nil at Western Sydney last night. The first time they've gone a game without scoring all season. But uh, over the last five games, they've conceded 17 goals. They have now gone five games without a win. That is the worst run of results since the very beginning of Coach Ufuk-Tale's four-year tenure. Phoenix beat MacArthur, uh, must beat MacArthur in their last game to ensure a spot in the top six. And the Brisbane Broncos remain peerless. Incomparables. No one can touch them. They're running away with the NRL. Miles ahead of anyone else, aren't they, Ben Francis? After thumping the Eels 26-16 last evening, uh, leading 22 points to 6 uh, at half time. Uh, well done to the mighty Brisbane Broncos. All right, let's get to some of your messages. Double eight, double three. Goldie writes, the Knicks' demise this season can be directly attributed to Ufuk Tele. He's totally packed a sad and that has rubbed off on the squad. Interesting perspective, Goldie. Uh, I'm sure there's a lot of uh, Phoenix fans who are quite uh, disturbed what has happened. Uh, if they fall out of the six altogether, it seriously um, dents his time at the, the Wellington Phoenix, I would have thought, that the sort of legacy he has built of r- remarkable consistency. It would have been three out of four finals appearances. The one year they missed out on one point. Now it could be two out of four with missing out on the uh, the playoffs by one point in two years. Uh, all will be revealed next weekend, I guess. Uh, Scott writes, after our chat with uh, Gary Anderson talking the Commonwealth Games, uh, thanks for this, uh, Scott. Would love to see the Com Games here. We held Auckland, Hamilton, Tauranga with accommodation in Auckland and Tauranga being cruise ships at a, a port at Cuscots. Oh, okay, mate, we'll leave the rest of the country out, buddy. That's not very nice, Scott. What about Wellington? What about my idea of slapping a 400-metre uh, track and field track around uh, Sky Stadium? And getting people to, to do the high jump in a strong southerly. Magnificent TV that would make, Ben Francis. I'm sure you'd be all over that. Are you sure? Oh, great. Magnificent. Spectacular. I would if the it was... Javelin, they, they could throw it out of the stadium. I would if you were competing. No, mate, I'll be way too old in 2034. Uh, part of the... Saturday session, Mowers Club between 10 and 11 o'clock. Our question of the day is, uh, what's the strangest place you've taken a lawnmower to? Uh, All Black Jazz Muller, according to Eastie, used to use his lawnmower, a hand-held lawnmower, to mow and trim his hedges. What? So he had to pick it, pick it up and 
at the top and the sides. What an oil drip what? out, though, if you were holding it on the side, surely. Surely that wouldn't be good for yeah, the motor. Yeah, but Jazz Muller probably would have drunk it too, you know, like <laughs> indestructible by the sounds. Uh, keep your suggestions coming through for the strangest place you've taken your lawnmower. That's awesome if that's true. And to our rubbed you the wrong way question of the week. Who's rubbed you the wrong way? I told you who's rubbed me the wrong way. And we've got some uh, great prizes to give away thanks to the magnificent team at uh, Rum and Q, award-winning rubs, sauces and seasonings. Uh, we've got a prize pack to give away. Uh, Mike from Tutukaka writes, the failed RTS experiment by New Zealand Rugby. Was it failed? He did play tests. I guess it wasn't a massive success. Was it? He's, he's well down the pecking order. Not a runaway success. He wasn't a failure. He's played test footy, mate. He's a dual international. But may, uh, maybe you're looking at it from a bang for your buck perspective from NZR, and, and that, I think, um, does change uh, the answer a little bit. So I, I, I see where you're coming from. Gary in Upper Heart writes, Daniel, the Phoenix defence have rubbed me up the wrong way. Uh, the last month's effort have been woeful. If you haven't seen the reap, go watch the first goal. There's about seven or eight guys in the box and two... Western Sydney Wanderers players, and somehow they still drive away to allow Western Sydney to score a tap-in from five or six yards out. It was quite schoolboy-y, you might say. Uh, we'll leave Brian's one to last, because it's quite a doozy, and I, and I need to be careful. And uh, our good friend Jason from Melbourne writes, um, what had rubbed me the wrong way? The, the wrong way how New Zealand rugby has taken their fans for granted. Well, Jason, I, I could argue that they're rubbing you um, every week. Get, get your hands off Jason Speaking of which Hello Brian Hope your day's gone better than your visit to the doctor How's this been Francis? My doctor rubbed me the wrong way When he tried to twist and turn my body To make sure it's okay When I had gone in with a broken rib or two He then put the seat up right While I was trying to lie flat And I was yelling in pain And he said yep I think they're broken I could have told him that myself, right, Brian? <laughs> Thank you very much, Brian. Unlucky. That that is unlucky. I hope my dear friend Mike Berry is uh, is listening. Uh, Mike, I, I'm thinking of you for some reason. Uh, excellent. Keep in, keep your suggestions of uh, who's rubbed you up the wrong way uh, through to double eight double three. I would love to get more of your uh, stories, suggestions. And we'd love more in the pot for the name to be pulled out of for our prize pack. Thanks to Rum and Q. Experience Rum and Q's award-winning barbecue rubs, sauces, and seasonings. Absolutely perfect for any occasion. All right, what have we got in store for you before we depart at 1 o'clock and hand the keys to the car to the good oil? Well, we'll catch up with them and find out uh, who they got lined up, what's the feature racing and all of that palaver. Uh, we'll join Clado at some stage before 1 o'clock. We've got our workhorse of the week as we tip our cap to those who've uh, uh, astonished us in the world of sport during the week. We'll just head out for another week. Uh, we'll also hear from Grant Elliott. You may have heard of him, sometimes co-host of the show. Well, he's still in Pakistan uh, commentating cricket. We caught up with him a little bit earlier. Uh, we will uh, find out um, his review of the, the cricketing action during the week and uh, all his exploits he's been getting up to. Uh, in Pakistan, it sounds like he's had a rather interesting week when it comes to public transport in Pakistan too. It sounds like he's lucky to be alive. 
uh, well, we'll hear from Grant Elliott a little bit later, in fact, about maybe six or seven minutes' time to be exact, because we're going to head to Pukekohe. It is meet number two, it's race number one, they're lining up, they're ready to jump, let's cross to our TAB tracks eye commentary team. This is the Saturday session with Rum and Q, and I do worry about Grant Elliott returning to, to New Zealand, Grant Elliott, because we've got a wonderful uh, um, you know, box of goodies from our good friends at Rum and Q, including some of uh, their uh, magnificent and beautifully named sauces, like this one. This is the barbecue sauce called Meat Juice. I just love that name. Uh, but I am worried for Grant Elliott that I'm absolutely going to plough through this box in the next couple of weeks, even before he returns. Um, no one would be surprised to hear that. Um, I'm just—I just don't want to welcome him back with bad news. Well, why don't Why don't you be a, a good host, Daniel, and send some up to Auckland ways? I could do that. Yeah, and you can review. You can review it. I can review it, and Grant can be the outsider. Yeah, we can say that until he actually does one of these challenges he's promised, he can actually have some. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Uh, although, uh, speaking of challenges, it was a challenge for him to stay up to the middle of the night. It was literally about 2.30, 3 o'clock in the morning. After rain ended the game in Royal Pundi, uh, we made him wait and we spoke to him uh, to review his last seven days of Pakistan, to talk some cricket as well uh, with the former black cap Grant Elliott. Um, and when I did catch up with him, I, I simply asked by... Uh, uh, trying to, try to be positive as always, trying to build his confidence. And I said as we uh, head to Pakistan to catch up with the better half of the Saturday session, he is the one, the only Mr Grant Elliott, and I asked him how his week's been. Thanks, Daniel. I don't know if I'm the better half. Um, you know, I'm a third of the show, and if I am there, and it's great that you keep me occupied and keep me still <laughs> engaged because, you know, I was wearing a Pakistan star on my chest. Actually, it was a double-breasted blazer and then also on the shirt as well. I double-starred myself. And then today, I had to wear the local gear as well with uh, the Aladdin sandals. So, yeah, I've fully integrated into this whole and immersed myself into the Pakistan Eid um, situation where they're going into Eid and celebrating that. And... Um, I've survived my six-and-a-half, seven-hour bus trip from Lahore to Islamabad. Wow, they put you on a bus. How did that go? Well, obviously, uh, firstly, it took quite a while. They did. They put me on a Mohammedan bus. And, um, yeah, it was meant to be four hours. Ended up being uh, six-and-a-half. We had a number of stops. Stopped. Uh, had some KFC Ramion wings, which were the hottest, spiciest things I've ever had um and the the bus driver was fasting so he got pretty grumpy towards the end of it and um <laughs> he wasn't scared of, of, of putting his foot down as well one stage he reached 140 kilo uh, kilometers and um had to beg for the the coppers to not give him a ticket when we were stopped at one stage so it was uh, it was entertaining you got pulled over in a bus doing 140k well, I'm surprised yeah, you didn't was... like hijack the bus and start driving it yourself, mate. It would have been far more sensible. <laughs> no, it was actually like it was a. Besides the entertaining bits like that, it was it was pretty good. We went through the Peacock Valley, and they've got these beautiful mountains and huge like gorges that you you drive past. And um, yeah, it was it was a good trip. I was sitting next to Kyle Mills, so me and Millsy um, had a long conversation. And it's good, like you're with the broadcast crew and you're with the other commentators, so it was good fun. 
and um, it was it was nice to to see a little bit of the countryside instead of just getting in a plane and just flying out and and landing in another city and going straight to a hotel. So anyone listening to the Saturday session of Grant Alley, you have been warned: if your bus driver is hangry, uh, press the button and get off. Uh, and, and get off. We we don't want that. That just reminds me of I, I was in Thailand once on a double decker bus, and I was on the front row up top on these windy, narrow uh, one lane roads. And my, our bus driver was overtaking cars and swinging back into the lane he was supposed to be in with maybe ten, twenty meters. It seemed like I, I had my life flash before my uh, eyes about six times in about uh, twenty minutes, and it was wildly disappointing. Grant, my life flashing. That is. This is exactly the same situation. You could feel this bus. I don't know how many tons it is, but you could just feel it swaying. It was, it was great stuff. And he, he did at one stage, I mean, we were in this first row. I had the seatbelt on. I've never had my seatbelt on in a bus. And I did look over and he, just, he was just quietly texting away on the Nokia 7110. Um, and that was, that was a thing of beauty, just the one hand on the steering wheel and just texting away probably telling his, his wife that maybe he was going to be a couple of hours late. Brilliant stuff. And, of course, you told us, I, I was on Bricky during the week, as you know, you, you told us you're such a big deal in Pakistan that kids are even chasing you out of bathrooms. No, you got the wrong end of the stick there. Well, <laughs> what I said was I got out of the bathroom and then kids started chasing me to ask for uh, signatures. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, it, it was mayhem. It was like, you know, it was an absolute zoo. The kids were so excited, though. I thought, oh, they don't even know who I am. The one kid did say, what's your name? So he didn't even know. But they, I've never seen, like, New Zealand kids don't get excited to get a signature. But these kids were like, you know, they were so just over the moon excited. To, to get a signature and um, and just engage with someone they probably didn't even know who I was. <laughs> they, <laughs> they were too care. young. <laughs> they, they don't care. Just as long as they get the signature, it can be anyone. Uh, at least they got an international cricketer. Let's talk about some cricket, Grant. New Zealand head into the final match of a T20 series in Pakistan with the series still alive. Of course, rain ruining game number four, meaning they can't win it. But that's success in of itself. Uh, as Smithy said during the week, he never won a game in Pakistan. Anyone in Pakistan should be celebrated, especially when we consider the context of the depleted nature of the New Zealand side up against essentially a full-strength Pakistan team. Yeah, I don't. I think we've only ever won two T20 games outside or in in the subcontinent um, out of the last ten, maybe. I think they they said. So this was one of them, um, or the, there was one the other night in Lahore. Um, they're, they're amazing. Like Pakistan bowling attack is, I mean, this is a serious bowling attack. So winning the game the other day was, was an unbelievable win because I think we were under par quite considerably in that game. Um, and, uh, I, I just, I still feel that I look at our team and it's difficult because we're missing nine players and they're not missing any players. Um, but just finding the combinations, we just haven't quite found the combinations with the bat, more with the ball. I think we've been pretty impressive with the ball, but with the bat, we just sort of struggled. Um, but in saying that, you know, like you look at Chad Bowes and Mark Chapman, they stand out for me at the moment because, you know, Mark Chapman, top run scorer, he would be close in 190 for this series 
And uh, Chad Bowes, you know, the 50 he scored today showed his class. So it's a great scouting opportunity for New Zealand cricket. But, um, yeah, it's just those combinations and those partnerships, I think, that are just so important. Because if you can, you can get those partnerships early on in a series, then you're always going to be playing consistent cricket. Whereas I still feel, you know, like Latham... Um, Latham and Chad Bowes, not a bad opening partnership, but, you know, I don't know if it, it's explosive enough. And then you've got Will Young, who's batting at three, who hasn't really performed as well as he should have. And, and Daryl Mitchell has had a little bit of a tough series. So, yeah, I, it's not the, the greatest sort of top four performance so far, but I think that that's just down to partnerships, really. You're so right about the bowling. Everyone sort of put their hand up at time. Matt Henry's really impressed, hasn't he, um, uh, throughout uh, the series. He's bowled in three of the games. Of course, New Zealand didn't get a chance to bowl in game number four before the hail uh, came down and rolled Pundi. But the guy you've mentioned, uh, Mark Chapman, 186 runs to be exact, strike rate of 157. He's been dismissed just once in the series. He's hitting one every five balls for either four or six. He's at a, at a remarkable series. Question begs, why is he in the one-day team? I know he had a, a, a pretty lean four trophy campaign this past summer in New Zealand, but the guy's got a, a career record of averages nearly 50 in one-day uh, list A cricket um, with a strike rate near on 100. It, it, it's a bit odd, isn't it? Is he the forgotten man? Do they want him to stay on, maybe? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Mark Chapman, he has been impressive, but I think he's one of those guys that, you know, he probably has been a little bit inconsistent. And I'd say he's been inconsistent because he's just, he's been one of those guys that's always been on the bench. So he starts a series and he looks at it and he goes, well, I'm, I'm not sure if I'm going to be playing a little bit like Matt Henry. And the thing is, is with Matt Henry is now he knows he's a frontline player and look how well he's been performing. So I think if you can have consistency in selection and you've got the, um, you know, I guess the confidence that you'll be playing, then that that helps you grow in confidence. And you're not looking over your, your back to think, oh, well, is this the last game I'm playing or am I going to be selected? And I think, you know, it's great to see players who, when they're given that confidence that they've got a place, they've got a role in the team, what they can do and how they can perform. And I think we're seeing that from Mark Chapman. And don't, don't forget, he can also bowl a bit. Like he does mm. roll the arm over. So you could get two overs out of him. Um, particularly in, in, in the subcontinent. I really like Rachin Ravindra's done well with the ball as a left arm spinner. So he's shown, um, you know, a little bit of talent with the ball. I just wish that I would have liked to have seen him bat at three in this series. But I think that what, what the selectors are doing is they're batting people in the positions that they think that they're going to be performing for in the World Cup. And not T20 World Cup, this is the one-day World Cup. Um, yes. One one question I've got, and I get asked it a lot, Daniel, is who's going to bat at three for the ODIs? With Kane Williamson out now, who's it going to be? Are they going to elevate Glenn Phillips? Are they going to just put Mitchell in there? Is it going to be Henry Nichols to maybe open and then Devin Conway down one? Um, it's a huge question, and I think we might get the answer for it when we, um, when we play the one-dayers. Well, there's um, a few that could audition, as you say. Um, Will Young, Henry Nichols in the squad. Tom Blundell gets a crack. Maybe you might see him there. I don't know. Chad Bowes is in the squad. Um, where's your gut leaning? 
Yeah, I mean, you know, there, there is. And Chad Bowes, like, maybe that was the opportunity, you know, um, for him, especially tonight. So I think, you know, he had an opportunity uh, to to kick on and almost, I thought he was going to get 100 the way he was batting. Jeez, he started well. You know, the first ball he cut away, um, he, he hit one through the covers. Everything was in the middle of the bat, down the ground, and then suddenly pulled Shane Shafridi. He took Shane Shafridi for three fours in a row. Um, so... There's options, and you think about um, you think about Tim Seifert, and Tim Seifert, who scored runs, like is he an option? I don't know, but Kane Williamson is. It's a huge gap, and the, the other option you could go is you could go. Well, let's replace Kane with a bowler, Ish Sodi. They were playing three spinners today in the T20, um, and I know I'm jumping the gun here and looking towards the one dayers, but. I do think it's an important decision, the one that they have to make, because it always comes down to partnerships and the partnerships that you build to be able to consistently perform as a team. So if you can get those partnerships right early on in a competition, then you're ahead of the opposition. Because a lot of them go in and you know they change batting orders uh, during, during the, the series. And I think you want to go in there and just have consistency and team selection. So big decisions ahead for New Zealand. And, you know, hopefully we can get it right because we are spoiled for choice, I think. I think you are right to look ahead to the one-day series in Pakistan. Uh, it is the, the big form of the game in 2023 from here on in, of course, with the World Cup down the line. And I'm not trying to, um, you know, minimise if New Zealand can win the fifth T20 international and draw a series in Pakistan. That is well worth celebrating. It would be an absolute moral victory if... Uh, of course, a, a drawn series, but five matches, uh, one day international cricket in Pakistan. Gee, that that's going to be pretty tough and challenging, and we'll learn a lot about these contenders, won't we, Grant? Yeah, you will. And uh, this is the the benefit of having IPL players out, is that you're going to get the benefit of seeing other players and seeing how they perform and how they perform under pressure and in the subcontinent. You know, I was here for the um, Indian series where I watched the the three one days, and those wickets were flat. Gee, they were flat. Mm. And you had Henry Shipley and Blair Tickner running in uh, to Rohit Sharma on the flattest wickets and Shubman Gill. And you know, if you want to feel pressure as a bowler in a sweaty palm, well, that's going to give you like you know, nightmares. Um, and I spoke to Henry Shipley the other day, and I said, "Yeah, how are you feeling?" And he's like, "Yeah, I've never played here before." And I said. Well, you know, you played in India, and he was like, he said, yeah. Grant Elliott, who we caught up with uh, a little bit uh, earlier, speaking about his week in uh, Pakistan. Uh, the line just dropped out right at the end, but we were winding things up. Uh, interesting week for him. Have you ever been on a bus going 140k, Ben Francis? I've never that, been that on a... Well, that sounded I've, terrifying. I've never been on a bus that fast, but I remember... Uh, there was something wrong with my mum's car and she took it to the mechanic uh, where, where I am is north of Auckland and where the road we drove on now, it's like suburbia, but back then it wasn't. So I was like, okay, I'll take it for a drive and we're on the car and he got it up to just under 200 kilometres an hour. He was driving that fast. I was holding on to no, my seatbelt. No, 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 no. 
No, no, that no, that doesn't sound like a fun game. So for, for those, that does not sound like a fun game. For those that know North Auckland really well, it's uh, where you where they got Millwater is the suburb now. But back then, it just used to be one road to get to Wainui, and that was the road there. There was nothing there, but it's all built up now. But yeah, that was quite scary. Quite. Yeah, I, I think you've been quite understated, my friend. <laughs> talk, talk about white knuckle stuff. That, Whew, um, frightening. Uh, keep your messages coming through on who has rubbed you up the wrong way on double eight double three. Remember, everyone who plays a part gets in on the action. Sends through a suggestion of who's rubbed you the wrong way goes in the mix to win a, a prize pack. Thanks to the magnificent crew at Rum and Cure. I've just uh, give, uh, given Ben Francis a detailed look at, um, you know, the, the wonderful bag of goodies that we'll have to divvy out when Grant actually returns. Um, fantastic stuff. Ben Francis, who's rubbed you up the wrong way? You haven't given me an answer yet, have you? Have you? Who's rubbed me up the wrong way this week? I'm going to say you, Daniel. Why? What have I done? Well, I got confused. I thought you were Grant Elliott. All oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually think I was Grant? For it, a it did confuse me. I was very confused because <laughs> I didn't realise this whole thing on Twitter was happening. Yeah. So I was like, uh, yeah, it really threw me off. And then when you said, like, number two broadcaster, I was like, hmm, something, <laughs> something's a bit fishy here. But uh, uh, the thing is, yeah. though, the thing is, though, you inspired – I actually considered making myself Grant Elliott. Well, I think you should too. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should definitely make yourself. What are we talking about? We talked about this a little bit earlier uh, on Twitter. I changed my profile to Grant Elliott. <clears throat> and there's a, did you see the photo I chose? I did. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that's him getting bowled by uh, Mitchell Stark at the Cricket World Cup. <laughs> I'm, su- I'm I'm such a nice guy. Uh, and I changed my profile uh, to New Zealand's top Superman impersonator and Wellington's number two ranked broadcaster. Uh, and uh, I just tweeted. Can't wait to chat to my hero and colleague Snake McCarty live from Pakistan on SCNZ Saturday session. Uh, tomorrow at 10.30 uh, New Zealand time. Also, uh, New Zealand Warriors great Lance Ho-Hi and three times Commonwealth Games gold medalist Gary Anderson on the show. Uh, and I'm glad I threw you. In fact, it's still uh, listed as Grant Elliott. Uh, uh, seriously, do you, do you want to know what's rubbed me out the wrong way this week? Yeah, people, in all seriousness, I do. Pe- people that drive onto the motorway doing about 60 kilometres an hour, that rubs me the wrong way. Is there a particular incident you want to raise, or is this just more general? Uh, no, it happened quite a bit this week. You know, you get on the motorway where it's 100, and the whole point is you're meant to be going 100, yeah. and people are, like, dawdling, and then you've got the cars where you're kind of merging in, and there's going to be that awkward spot where someone's going to have to put their foot on the brake or someone's going to have to move yeah. over. It's uh, quite, It can be quite daunting. Yeah. It's as frustrating as I find New Zealanders and their inability to use an indicator. <laughs> it's not allergic to use an indicator. You won't break out in a rash or terrible sores all over your body if you use an indicator. Especially and at roundabouts. I, yeah, I trust you. It, it will be okay. It's 22 minutes away from 1 o'clock, so you've only got a short window if you want to get in on the action and possibly win our prize pack, thanks to the team at Roman Q. Uh, we're about five and a half minutes away from race number two at Pukekohe jumping. Uh, we'll catch up with Clado as well, so best we get to a break. Um, we'll cram all of that in, including our sporting tips you should probably run a mile from. We're soon to head to Pukekohe for race number two, but before we actually focus on the horses, let's uh, let's talk about our workhorses of the week with Midas Agritise, the choice of leading manufacturers. I know she's copped a fair bit of stick this week, uh, Mr. Francis, but I would like to raise my glass. Uh, top Scottish ultramarathon runner who was disqualified from a race um, using a car during part of the route uh, I, I can't even say a name. 
Huski, my humble apologies to her. She finished third in the 2023 GB Ultra uh, from Manchester to Liverpool 80k race. Uh, she is thought to have travelled by car for four kilometres after GPS tracking uh, saw her um, travel 1.6k's for one in one minute and 40 seconds. A friend said uh, it has left her sick and sorry for any upset she has caused. I actually commend her for and uh, uh, give her my Workhorse of the Week nomination for this week. Why, Ben Francis? Because she will officially enter our Hall of Fame, Cheating and Sport Hall of Fame. We're big on that in the, his- the history of sport on this show, Ben Francis, and that is definitely entering. So my Workhorse of the Week goes to our ultramarathon runner, Ben Francis. I think we can uh, cross to the crew at Pukekohe. Uh, for race number two, any second. We'll get to Ben's uh, maybe a little bit later. Oh, this all thanks to Midas Agri Tires. Uh, made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. We head to Pukukoi for race number two. Just shy of nine minutes away from one o'clock. Congratulations, Brian. You have won. Rub me the wrong way this week. He'll be going to prize back thanks to Rummy Q coming your way. My only advice, don't rub it into your broken ribs. Uh, you're welcome. Clado, come in, Clado. How are you, Clayto? We're in the Warriors jersey today. Yeah, we're getting pumped, eh? I reckon we'll beat the storm on Tuesday. And I think the TAB were offering around $3.70. So, yeah, it's going to be a massive turnaround from last year. Yeah, hold tight, listeners. Our uh, sporting tips you should probably run a mile from coming up in just a moment. I think we might go down that path. So, Clayto, what's coming up on the good oil apart from more just pissing excellence everywhere throughout the afternoon? Well, a pretty exciting day out there at Pukekohe where the rain has certainly set in, but a special moment just then with our young rider Jessica Allen. She only started riding last week. She rode a winner on her first day riding, and she's just picked up her second winner in her career. So great result there, but it is pretty wet and murky at Pukekohe. A lot of late scratchings coming through, but we've still got a couple of really good races. The Trelawney Stud Championship Stakes later on, and of course the time-honoured Easter Handicap. Don't let that throw you off. that, that smile across her face taught me, it told me everything I need to know. Yeah, it was pretty that special, was, wasn't it? Yeah, beaming smile, the apprentice jockey, uh, two wins, but excellent stuff. All right, what's the feature this afternoon and who, who you got alongside? Uh, we're going down to Christchurch as well, heavy nine track down there as well, and we've got the wall step stakes for the three-year-old fillies, that's shaping up as a beauty, and of course the Canterbury Gold Cup of Group 3 race, so good racing all over the country, even though the heavy conditions have started pretty early, and down in our Christchurch studio, we have Louis Herman Watt with our man Greg O'Connor. Sticko so gets a break, so- and I'm here on my own. Uh, are you going to cope right with that? Hell Yeah. Here in my own, <laughs> fridge just around the corner. Uh, see, I see they had Friday drinkies, and I didn't get an invite to that, but uh, they've left a few drinks in the fridge, so right them off at your own peril. Oh, Clayto's going to be coming in hot throughout the afternoon. Have a great show, fella. Appreciate you dropping by. Thanks, Daniel. Great stuff. Uh, the uh, good oil is not far away, literally about seven minutes. We've got a few things to get through, including uh, Ben Francis' nomination for our workhorse of the week with Midas Agritires, the European quality made affordable. Um, I went the ultramarathon when I took a car, mainly because she's entered our cheating hall of fame. Well done, her. Uh, what say you, Ben? Uh, I'm going to go with the Winnipeg Jets forward, Morgan Barron, who took a skate to the face during a match against the Vegas oh. Golden Knights. Uh, he, he Apparently he needed 75 stitches. Oh! But, but Buck Shelford-esque, he came back on the ice and helped his team with an upset 5-1 win. 
75 stitches. That's what the story said. 75 said. stitches. Do you think you've had 75 stitches collectively in your life? I've had four, and uh, that was when I stabbed myself with a paint scraper. That's right. Nothing like stabbing yourself as the No. <laughs> Brilliant. That was just as the station launched, right? Yeah, I, I went AWOL and people were trying to contact me going, oh, Ben, are you still working with us? And I'm like, sorry, guys, I've been in hospital. Yeah. yeah. Honourable mention also goes to Grant Elliott uh, for surviving that uh, bus trip. And thanks, uh, Gary, from Upheart. Buses in that part of the world are just mad. Worst I was ever on was in Bangladesh where the crazy drivers were actually racing at each other. Honestly. Honestly, scary stuff. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. Uh, Midas Agritires, workhorse of the week. European quality doesn't have to break the bank. Ask for Midas Agritires for your equipment. All right, let's get to the sporting tips. You should probably run a mile from Ben Francis. I'm in a generous mood. You can go first. Well, I think Clayton touched on it before. You've got to go the Warriors. Have to go the Warriors. Why? Because of value or because you're absolutely certain they'll win? I believe they're going to end that Anzac Day hoodoo on Tuesday night. And they're paying over three bucks. I know the market shrunk in, but I think it was high three dollars when it started. So oh, you're just going simple head to head, simple head to head, simple head to head, mate. Like it, okay. You have been warned, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls. Get in on the Warriors. Uh, their game against the Storm is, of course, on Tuesday. We've got full coverage of that game right here on uh, SENZ. And just looking at the it's still three seventy, three dollars seventy. I won't go there, but I'm desperately going to try and backtrack something stupid I said uh, doing uh, Izzy and Kempi for breakfast um, when we uh, tipped uh, the results over the weekend. I misspoke, and then about 30 seconds later tried to backtrack in my way out of it, and they wouldn't uh, have it. So I'll, I'll do it here. Are the Highlanders up against the Force in Super Rugby? Yeah, I tipped the Force uh, stupidly. I'm actually expecting the Highlanders to start with, uh, you know, rip, shit, and bust. But I've got them scoring more than eight points in the opening 15 minutes, paying 15 minutes, paying $2.50. There you have it. $2.50. Get on that. I, I quite like that. The Highlanders to start um, with a hiss and a roll. I'll just give you one this week. Only got two or three last week. All right, Ben. No, we need to do better. That's the sporting tips. You should run a mile from. That is us for another week. Thanks so much to Mr. Ben Francis. Grant Elliott dialing in from Pakistan. Gary Anderson, three-time Commonwealth Games champion. Lance Ho, higher. And, of course, you for playing your part. We'll catch you next week.